guys welcome and welcome back to the podcast i've been meaning to watch that i'm your host monica and guys we're back again with a new week new topic new guests every single week and guys this week we have a returning guest with us i want everyone to say hello to john say hi john <laughs> hi guys yes. how's it going i haven't been here since last september so oh yeah when we it's talked about atlanta mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 Awesome. John, I'm so happy to have you back. It's wonderful to have you here. Guys, today we're going to be talking about all the things we're excited to see in 2024 because new year, new movies, new TV shows, new things to watch and new things for us to talk about. So we're going to talk about our most anticipated projects that are coming out this year and some things that were supposed to come out this year but have been delayed, unfortunately, but we can get into that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we're going to get into our first segment, which is Media Mania, where we talk about entertainment news and new releases. Um, first thing I did want to talk about was something that I've been seeing all over my timeline on like Twitter, TikTok, everywhere, and you've probably seen it all over your timeline as well, John. Um, yeah. Recently, the Color Purple remake has come out which is really great. And for those who don't know, uh, the Color Purple remake is a remake of the movie, which was based, uh, it's actually a remake of the musical that was based off the movie that's based off of the book. And the Color Purple, you know, musical adaptation that's now out in theaters, it has um, Fantasia, Coleman Domingo, and Taraji P. Henson in the cast. And one thing that we have learned recently in the interview, Taraji talked about um, the success of her career and Empire, but her career had eventually kind of hit a standstill because she found out that her entire team did not have anything set up for her after Empire had ended, which obviously is a huge oversight on their part since Empire was a very big show and Taraji had gained a lot of critical acclaim and won a lot of awards for her role as Cookie Lion in the show. And, you know, while she was in Empire, she was also in a movie called Hidden Figures, which won her a um, SAG award. I believe it was a SAG award. And when she realized that her team didn't have anything set up for her after Empire ended, she fired her whole team. Because, I mean, if you don't have anything set up, like you know, a new TV show, another movie, an endorsement, a commercial, anything like that. If you don't have anything set up for your client who is paying you out of her pocket with the money she gets from the show, then you got to go because you're not doing your job. And another thing we realized is that she also had to advocate for herself to get paid what she is owed because she still has had to deal with, you know, explaining or like trying to show her worth to studios and executives and casting directors um, who want to put her in other projects. And this has led to, you know, some rumors that she and Oprah may have beef. And this has led to a lot of people looking at um, press spots that the Cats of Color Purple has been doing and kind of reading her and Oprah's body language. And I think this just leads to the conversation that's been going on, you know, because of the strike how a lot of actors have to really advocate for themselves in order to be compensated fairly. And I've seen this also, um, well, Viola Davis also talked about this in an interview she did where she talked about how she still has to prove her worth to people, even though she's now an EGOT winner, you know, but before she's, she has a Tony, she has an Emmy, she has an Oscar, you know, um, when she did the interview, she didn't have the Grammy yet, but it's so disheartening to hear that 
so many talented actresses like Viola Davis and Taraji P. Henson, the two we've talked about already, that they have to like literally fight for fair compensation when I feel like it's a no brainer that they should get paid what they're due. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about that, John? I mean, we we've seen this go around on socials already with um, Sydney Sweeney being one of the first people to voice or express her frustrations with not being paid enough, and then now more recently with um, Rachel Zegler. Um, Hugh Grant, Jacob Elordi. I mean, even we, we've had the strikes. And so I don't know what is going on with the studios not, you know, paying, you know, their talent, you know, you know. Yeah. It's just frustrating. It is really frustrating. And it's pretty unfair that studios are not simply paying these actors what they're due. And it's, I'm very glad that we went through the strike, you know, the writers and actors strike. Yeah. I think it was definitely necessary to wake the industry up so that executives realize mm-hmm. that you can't simply do this on your own. There's a reason why you have a body of people, like an ensemble of people to create a show. And there's a certain process that has to go into it. And a lot of times those people, like every single time you make something, those people should be paid fairly for what they have created. Because these shows, these movies... Um, these projects you put on your streaming services or you put on your channels or you put in the theaters, they make you money and you can't make this money without the people who put all this hard work into it. And it, in my eyes, like, it's just unfair to not pay people what they're owed because you can't replace every single person on the set with an AI generated copy. It's not going to work. Because you won't make anything original. You won't make anything that's actually good or interesting. You won't anything that make anything that really lasts. You'll just, you know, save some money in a little bit, but then eventually it'll come back to bite you. So what's the point of yeah. even doing that? I mean, man, we've seen this with, like, I know I'm going to get canceled for this, May, might get canceled for this, but the Marvel disney side of things right where you know more recently their content like the quality and what they're um what they have been putting out it has just been going down and we've seen that with you know secret invasion i haven't i haven't finished it but oh i only watched episode one of it and i was like you know what (laughs) i'm good actually yeah yeah i don't need to see the rest so yeah the visual effects teams of the industry are I mean, even the animation if mm-hmm. you think about what's going on especially with Cartoon Network mm-hmm. and how people were saying that they haven't been getting their like not a good amount in their residuals mm-hmm. in, like for example with um the King of the Hill yeah. I know someone from that show said that they've been getting cents from the show. And I think that's a, a huge title at the time, right? Yeah, I and... mean, everyone loved King of the Hill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you on that. I, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I remember when the strikes were going on, a lot of people, a lot of like 
huge celebrities who are in very popular TV shows and like shows that have been streamed like for so many so many hours on different sites like Netflix and the such they would post the residual checks that they got from these streaming services and I know a lot of people have made the argument that you know Aaron Paul he's such a talented actor but he's also a millionaire so what does he need the streaming check for and yeah, that's true that maybe Aaron Paul doesn't need that check from Breaking Bad, but there are so many shows on Netflix that get very popular. Maybe don't even get yeah. that many people to watch it, but those actors deserve to have streaming residuals that pay them well enough so they can continue to live in LA, so they continue to go to auditions, so they can like, you know, make money, excuse me, and pay for the things they need to pay and get a livable wage off of the job that they are doing. That is only fair to them if they're putting in this work and they're providing a service that people like and people are using. And a service is also making, you know, Netflix and sex money as well. It's only fair that they get, yeah. pay get paid fairly in return for their services. And I, for me personally, um, what do you think about the whole Taraji Oprah beef? Do you think that's an actual thing or do you think that's just kind of like something that people are kind of digging a little too deeply into. I haven't, that wasn't really something that I like personally have seen come up, but until you brought it up. So I didn't even know that was a, that was a thing going on. So. Yeah. Hmm. I really noticed it. Um, just in like the videos that people were sharing you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that um, a lot of people, I mean, from what I can see, Taraji actually sat down with Oprah um, and talked about her role in The Color Purple. Because uh, there was like an own spotlight special about The Color Purple. And also, I don't know, this is a little weird to me, but why is Taraji going on the press tour with them? You know what I mean? Like, I, it reminds me of when Taraji was doing the press tour for that Tyler Perry movie she did that he filmed like nine days. Do you remember what that movie was oh, called? Oh, um, I have it pulled up. Or I have her filmography pulled up. Uh-huh. Um, Think Like a Man too. Is that what it was? No. Yeah. It's a movie mm. where her No, it's Tim's story, sorry. Huh? Oh, that's Tim's story, actually. Sorry. Um, think like a man, too. Yeah. Um, think like man. a man is not a Tyler Perry movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was a... Sorry. That's it's a acrimony. Story, I just remembered it. It's acrimony. Okay. I was thinking, like, it starts with an A, but I don't remember what it is. But it's acrimony. And mm -hmm. when she was doing the press tour for that movie, he was going along with her. And I was like, why is he going with her on this press tour? Like, she, it could just be her on it. But... I don't know. I think that a lot of people online have been speculating that Oprah is not like this sweet, loving grandma maternal figure that she claims to be in public or, yeah. you know, the kind of image that she puts out for the general public. And me personally, like, Oprah's a billionaire, you guys. Okay. Something that I firmly believe if you get to a certain point where you start making like a lot, a lot of money, I'm not going to think that you're the nicest person in the world. 
you know and if something comes out that you're not it's like well she's a billionaire you don't become a billionaire by being nice you know you don't become a billionaire by holding like strong morals and having integrity you know what i mean like i'm not trying to like mm-hmm. act like i'm i'm not trying to act like i secretly work for a gmo or anything like that i'm just saying like people saying that oprah is not a nice person sure okay plausible i mean Tyler perry is a billionaire and we all know he doesn't pay writers he um makes oh, too many oh. movies he makes too many tv shows he needs to like, retire the media wig forever like <laughs> that guy is annoying <laughs> All right. You remember the episode of Atlanta when Zazie Beetz lost her, the friend, her friend's daughter on Tyler Perry Studios? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know the episode was like part of the surrealist comedy that exists within Atlanta. However, if you live in Atlanta, you know some of the things that went on in the episode. It's like, it's not that far fetched. Like, they make a new TV show every other week on that set. You can't do things like that. You can't make TV shows that quickly without breaking like so many by making things un like you can't make that many TV shows and like your workers being like oh yeah it was great and they're being honest like oh yeah mm-hmm. we filmed this TV show in like ten days and the working conditions were amazing yeah I don't believe you you know so people are trying to like speculate that the jig is up with Oprah she's a rich woman like. This happens now, and then four months later, everyone's going to forget about it, okay? I didn't forget about that school she opened up in Africa for girls, all right? I had to forget about that. If you want to learn, learn more about that, you guys are going to have to Google it, okay? I only know, like, the basics <laughs> about it, generally. But, like, if you want, like, a basic rundown, Oprah opened a school in Africa for young girls, but she picked the girls to go into the school just based off, like, vibes, and yeah and only like a small percentage of the girls who graduated from that school actually went on to be like doctors and lawyers and stuff i don't even know what they were teaching in that school to be honest i don't even know if they even taught people i don't know if there's even a curriculum in that school and i think that the girls had to pay for the uniforms out of pocket too so i'm sorry is that like an accredited school i don't know (laughs) i doubt it was so it's just not a legit. I doubt it probably was. might not be legit. <laughs> Honestly, I encourage everyone to go Google, Google it. Go we'll Google do that it. after this. Yeah. But um, whether or not Oprah and Taraji have beef, I feel like it's really besides the point. What we need to be focusing on is the fact that, you know, talented, well-decorated, well-known Black actresses still have to advocate for themselves to be paid fairly. That's the story here. That's the headline. That's what's important. That should be the focus. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to watch The Color Purple? You know, you know our mutual friend Jordan uh, uh-huh. is a huge fan of, of the, curl, col- ah, the Color Purple. Uh-huh. And just because, as you mentioned, it's based on the musical, based on the movie, based on the book so i kind of want to go down that rabbit hole uh-huh. of the source material before yeah. i get into that and that's my huge thing with you know adaptations of pretty much anything is mm-hmm. like people don't realize that there's actually there's roots in source so i kind of want to read like if anything i really want to read the novel 
And then I know that the original film is highly regarded. So I want to get into that as well before I see this new one. So, and people have been, I, I have not seen any um, bad, you know, word of mouth about this film. So I have like, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm really excited about that one, you know, I and so. people are, sorry, um, sorry. Um, people are nominating are already being nominated, for, you know, in the film, people are being nominated for their roles. So I'm really excited for, you know, what's going on around, you know, Yeah, I I think that there was a conversation about nominations in terms of the clear purple because it was released a little later, so mm-hmm. it kind of um, almost didn't meet the deadline to be considered for award yeah. season. And I have seen that the color purple hasn't been included in some nominations or predictions for upcoming award shows, which I would say is pretty disappointing because like every other musical adaptation that's come out has been highly regarded for award shows. Yeah. And I don't think this one should be disregarded at all. Especially because no. I feel like it's possibly like one of the better movies to come out of 2024, even if it came out of Christmas. It's still one of the better movies to come yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, like, if you look at who's attached to the film, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Brooks, as you were saying, her, yes. and, you know, not to mention Halle Bailey, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, You know, it's like how can you not how can you snub people from like something like this it's definitely a tough it's like a very tight competition for the color purple because it's already oppenheimer and barbie that like yeah are definitely going to be considered for like a number of nominations this year and there are so many other films that came out this year like past lives was a favorite and you know Just generally so many others. So we'll have to see how it stacks up. Um, but I do agree with you on what you said about source material. Because yeah. the story of The Color Purple has gone through a number of adaptations. And even from mm-hmm. the book and the Steven Spielberg directed film, there are already major differences between those two. Um, a lot of people already kind of felt a way about Steven Spielberg directing the color purple because it is a um it's a story a black story yeah Yeah, it's a black story and And also the screenwriter is a white man menno mage i don't know how to say the last name my bad but um there were a lot of people that you know spoke out about his adaptation of the novel and there was also Huh? Um, Menno May. Oh, uh, the screenwriter. He's Dutch. I oh. didn't know that. He's okay. Dutch. But um, there are people talking about how it felt like it had reinforced racist stereotypes about black masculinity as violent, and there's also critique of Spielberg's decision to soften the depiction of the relationship between Sally and Suge. Because the central storyline in the novel is that they are, you know, interested in each other. They have romantic feelings for each other. 
And that really wasn't something that was highlighted in the film. And he addressed this. Um, and he said that he wanted to blur the nature of Suge and Celia's relationship because he wanted to maintain a PG-13 rating. And there are a number of other things brought up um, in regards to the Color Purple movie and the book adaptation. I haven't seen the musical, um, but I am excited to see the book, the, the remake of the musical. And I yeah. read the book, but I was a, a lot younger when I read the book, so I don't remember all the details. So I have to refresh my memory. But um, yeah. it would be interesting to do like a deep dive into how the book and the movie and now the movie musical kind of compare and what's been yeah. lost in the sauce. And the terms like source material and adaptation, yeah. Because I'm sure there have been other things that have been changed or adjusted or softened. And because it's now 2023, I don't know, because I haven't seen the movie yet. Maybe Celia Celia and Shook's relationship is more defined, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not something that they shy away from. But I think I'll have to just watch and see what happens. Yeah. I've, I've only seen that one trailer and I mean, it's beautiful. Like the music, oh, yeah, the trailer's the, amazing. Yeah, like, I don't know what else to say about it. Like, I'm just going to see it. Like, well, I, I did see the book um, at a bookstore and I'm just saving up. Like I I'm going to buy that soon or I'm going to give it a read soon. So we'll see what happens. We will see. And we're also going to see what happens in 2024 because we're going to go ahead and move into the meat and potatoes of the pod. Um, you and I have created a list of the things that we're excited to see that's coming out next year. So I'm going to let you go ahead with your list. If you could just go through the things that you're excited for. I know I asked you to like get a list of like 10 things. Um, mm -hmm. Just go through, name what you're excited for, and then we can kind of pick off you know, the most interesting or the most exciting things that you're anticipating for next year. Okay. So I have it right here. Um, well, one that I'm really excited about, or one that I've been anticipating for a little while now, is Mickey 17, which is the next film written and directed by Bong Joon-ho. And, you know, speaking of film adaptation, so I have the source material right here that I got from... Uh, from Barnes and Noble cool. um, a while back. So I'm really excited to get into that. And I think I'm really anxious about the release of this because, you know, the strikes have been going on. So I don't know if that film will be released um, this spring, but if it is, I hope the marketing is, you know, going great. Um, and then a second one that I'm really excited about is the Terminator. Um, there's an anime, um, not an adaptation, but a, ver um, a new storyline for the Terminator franchise. And it's an anime form. So what better way to kind of um, go about that uh, with the writer um, behind Pro uh, Netflix's Project Power and The Batman. So uh, Mattson Tomlin is um, spearheading that show. So I'm really excited to see where that would 
that that's going to be headed um, because that's been new since 2020, 2021. Um, a third one, and I know you're gonna, you might be excited about this too, Momi, is the Untitled Universal Monsters film with Melissa Barrera. Um, she's back to work with Radio Silence. So I have no idea what that's about because there's no title to it. All we know is that it deals with um, Dracula. So I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, that's like my top three. I know I have a list here, but that's like the really top three titles that I'm really interested in seeing in the new year. Okay. Um, if you don't mind, you can just like go through your list just one by mm -hmm. one, like the whole thing, because I do want to okay. hear everything you're excited for. Yeah. Um, there's another one on Netflix. It's an adaptation of a children's book. It's um, Charlie Kaufman's um, Orion and the Dark. And I've never seen, I think Charlie Kaufman did Anomaly, or Anom, in the, the puppet, the puppet um, animation, um, Animal, Animalisa. <laughs> um, so I've, I think I've only seen. Yeah, he uh, did Animalisa, yeah. Okay, yeah. So he did that, and then the Jesse Plemons movie, um, and Jesse uh, Buckley. Oh, yes, I'm forgetting did, the title. I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah, I, I saw that. that one for sure. I saw both of those films, and just wonderful. Um, so I'm really excited for Orion in the Dark because it's a DreamWorks. I, I believe it's a DreamWorks film that's coming out as well, and then Inside Out Two. Um, you know, Pixar has hits and misses lately, but Inside Out, the original Inside Out has been really great. So I think I'm interested in seeing where the sequel um, heads. Um, and then I think um, Love Lies Bleeding, I don't know if you've seen the trailer um, with Kristen Stewart. Yeah, Kristen Stewart's new film? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. I, the trailer and the poster, the poster looks like it came from Sin City, you know, that neo-noir film. It feels like it's giving off those vibes, mm -hmm. like those very, like, detective, or well, it's not a detective movie, but I'm really excited to see what that's about, just because people are mad that um, the, one of the lead actors or lead actresses um, is a buff woman, like, really, like, she worked out. And that's what the movie is about, so. Uh-huh. I don't know what, I'm really excited to see that one. Um, Smile 2 um, with Naomi Scott. I haven't really seen her since Aladdin. Well, the one that not many people are excited about. And the She's also from Power Rangers and Lemonade now. So um, I'm really excited to see what a Smile sequel would do um, to kind of follow from Parker Finn's original from last year. Um, and I know people might not agree with this, but Sausage Party has some sort of like TV series coming out next year. 
Wait, on seriously? Prime Video. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can skip that one. <laughs> we can go past. Yeah. No. I I I don't know. Like any like animated projects that kind of the argument that animation is for kids. Like mm-hmm. I want to see like that something like that. I want to see something like that kind of combat that argument. So, you know, I I'm not saying it's like my at the top, but it's I'm I'm interested in seeing it. Like I want to I don't know. I remember when Sausage Party first came out and there were parents who were mad because they took their kids to see it <laughs> and they didn't know there was going to be like an R-rated movie and I feel like sometimes parents are dumb. You know, like yeah. why would you bring your kid there? Like I remember I went to go see Five Nights at Freddy's and there was a couple sitting in the back of the theater with a crying baby. I was thinking like, this is not the movie for a baby. Like mm-hmm. Five Nights at Freddy's is a horror movie. Just because it's based off a video yeah. game doesn't mean it's not gonna be like scary. And the baby kept crying at the like the scary parts. So I was sitting here the thing, I'm like I was thinking like I can't even I I, I can't even enjoy myself. Because your baby is scared. And I can't get scared. Because your baby's whining. Like, you're in the wrong theater. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, I'm sure there was, like, some Disney movie out at some point. Where you get taking your baby. Like, I I understand, like, as parents, it's hard mm-hmm. to find sitters in the middle of the day. You, when you want to go watch a movie, you have to figure out, like, who's going to watch the baby and blah, blah, blah. But, like, damn. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? Like, come on now. No, I agree with you. I think a lot of parents who do that aren't really educating themselves on these types of, like, situations. Because I know, like, there have been other films where that has been going on. Like, I know a while back with the first Deadpool movie, you know, there was a mom that was getting mad that, you know, there's a superhero movie that are where um, the main character is killing people. And, like, Lady, this is a rated R Marvel movie. I think. Also, like, there's a movie. You, yeah. Have you not watched a superhero movie before? Is this your first time here? <laughs> Let's be so for right now. Anyways, you were saying. I mean, even as you were saying, like, you know, the rating is on the poster. It's like, yeah, the rating should be somewhere for you to kind of identify that right. before you make the decision right so i mean i don't know if that's well i think that is the same case with streaming services is they show you like rated m or rated whatever right Mm -hmm. so you know people it's like you know it's like a uh i spy or where's waldo situation it's like the the rating like the audience rating is right there it's not that hard though. it's not hidden it's right in your face you just have to look for it just pay attention yeah. that's all you gotta do <laughs> no that's a that's another thing i don't know if people and this is the same thing with social media or now mm. you know people aren't paying attention to the material that they're yeah um consuming or engaging with yeah so all these bad takes is yeah, like you... we need we need to get back to media literacy, like media literacy, reading comprehension, just general like, awareness. <laughs> yeah, will save us yeah. so much trouble. Yeah, because it's it's really getting tiring. It is. Um. Okay, my last two 
One is my hmm category. Okay. Um, so where I'm like, hmm, I'm like, I'm, it's not like an anticipated like title, but okay. One of them is Furiosa, um, which is a prequel to the Mad Max Fury Road. Um, the reason why I'm like, hmm, about it. Well, it's like, I think we, do we really want to turn that, you know, the whole franchise machine? Like, I, I'm excited about it, but is it just, like, what is the message that they're going for here? You know? Um, and my second one is Civil War, just because I haven't seen men, but I think every other film from Alex Garland has been fine. But I think the thing that makes me go, hmm, is that, you know, um, as we were saying with the original, the color purple film, right? Mm -hmm. This is a film, Civil War is a film about America, but it's not a story directed or written by an American. So it feels off that there's a perspective you know, being like projected here like by someone who is not like, a, yes. Yeah. So it makes me feel it's, you know, I'm, you know, you and I um, brought, uh, mentioned this on the group chat. Um, Alan Moore's um, Watchmen. Mm -hmm. Alan Moore is a British man who his, his source material for Watchmen is, you know, a critique on American politics and he's a British man kind of talking about that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I don't know, like, when you put that, you need the right voice, I, I feel like, to yeah. make movies like that. So even like with men, I haven't seen it, but I know men, like, you can't make a movie, you know, I, I feel like, you know, about someone, like a man giving birth. And I feel like, the whole thing, the, the whole perspective game, you know, Alex Garland, I don't know, he's not, is he the right voice for that? And even with Saltburn, people were saying that, um, the, you know, the filmmaker Emerald is not Gunner? the right person to be, yeah, yeah, might not be the right person to be telling that story. Yeah. So it's just the whole thing. Yeah. I see what you mean about perspective because... Um, Alex Garland is a very talented filmmaker. Um, yeah. So I remember when I saw the trailer for Civil War, and I was just kind of like, okay, so another post-apocalyptic movie mm -hmm. about America somehow warning people about the not-so-distant future of how this society is going to go tits up. And... Honestly, I'm not going to watch it. I'm so tired of these post-apocalyptic yeah. movies that talk about how the world is going to end, how everything is going to shut down, how all going electricity, and all this other BS. I think these movies don't serve any kind of purpose, and I think that they're stupid. Um, I know that they're well done, but me personally, yeah. I hate that so many films have been made in this doomsday mindset where people have taken this nihilistic, like, not really nihilistic view, but people are so people are so like i don't know if it's determined but people keep making these kind of movies 
You keep making these kind of movies about the end of the world. You keep making these movies about how everything's going to go tits up. You keep making these films and you don't provide any solutions. You don't provide any kind of thoughtful critique. It's just, you're showing me things that I already know and I already understand. Please tell me something different. Please show me something different. Please bring something new to the table. Please do something original. For Pete's sake, please. Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. You have to be exhausted with this. Please do something else inspire me for once in my life like don't depress me that's all that i ask and i don't think that alex garland i mean i see what you mean about like perspective because he is british but alan moore i mean with watchmen watchmen's a great comic i love watchmen um i don't like the Mm -hmm. 2009 movie although a lot of people in our group chat disagreed with me but you know what they're wrong because the movie was bad it was terrible and honestly the HBO show is so much better of a continuation for Alan Moore's comics. And I know that he doesn't like um, adaptations of his comics. I understand source material yeah. is important. I understand. But I think that the HBO show is the best um, adaptation, so to speak, or continuation of his source material. I really do believe it is. Um, and I agree with what you said about perspective because Alan Moore and Alice Garland are British. They're not American. But sometimes it's good to have an outside perspective on certain things, even if it's American mm-hmm. politics and American society. Um, sometimes I feel like people who live in America are a little too quick to critique our country because we can do that easily. Yeah. I can do that easily on my own. Um, I could say a lot of things about Britain that you would not like, yeah. Alex Garland. So maybe pipe down. All right. We didn't forget about the Boris bees and Johnson. toast people. Yeah. We didn't forget about Boris Johnson and everything <laughs> else that's going on in your country. All right. The fact that y'all try to leave the EU and all the other stuff, you know, Brexit and everything. And you're right yeah. with men. He shouldn't have made that movie because that movie was terrible. Um, I watched it. I feel, I feel like there are some parts of it that like, you know, bring up a lot of thoughtful discussion. But overall, I feel like a man writing a horror movie about how hard it is to be a woman and all the other things that happen mm-hmm. in men... Did you really feel like your opinion and your perspective was so important and so needed? Did you really feel like what you had to say and what you had to bring to the table was something that hasn't been discussed before? Do you feel like you're that special? Because let me tell you something, babe, you're not. I think a lot of people have taken certain things that people understand about, you know, the female experience or politics and everyone's still in this one-on-one level of understanding it. And we haven't graduated. We haven't moved past it. And at this point, I'm getting tired. I need us to move forward. I need us to level up. I need us to do something different. I need us to shake the table. I need y'all to read some books, please. I need y'all to do something else. And I do also agree with you about Saltburn as well. How Emerald Fennel may not have been the right, you know, person to create that movie. Because if you've seen Saltburn, you already know the like, when you first watch the movie, you feel like you understand the motivations of the main character. And then as we get further into the film and get close to the end of the second act, you're kind of asking yourself, well, why are we here? What's the point? Why is he doing this? And you get to the end of the movie. It's like, what was any of this? Why did he do any of this? And a lot of people say you can just enjoy movies for what they are and just enjoy it for fun. But there's obviously some kind of message that they're trying to put in this film. And yeah, the message is not clear babes you know i don't need you to spoon feed it to me but i need to know if you know what you're trying to say in this movie because if i watch this film Mm -hmm. and i don't get what you're trying to tell us or it's not clear 
or you're not trying to say anything new or different original or anything that's truly like groundbreaking then why are we here why did i spend close to two hours watching barry cogan fall in love with jacob lordy like what's going on mm-hmm. you know don't waste my time please but... and there's also that excuse from directors that or even the writers that you know it's up like they don't want to provide um the answer or the yeah. explanation to things like it's up to your your interpretation yeah and i know like jordan peele has said that about his movies but it's like that's different it really it, it yeah i mean it i, I feel, think it, i feel like that's a cop out yeah. sometimes you know yeah some of some films can be cop outs and some are mm-hmm. like good enough where it's like you don't have to explain yourself because mm-hmm. i um i'm on your side yeah so and yeah. you know donald glover does that as well i remember when this is america his music video came out and he says oh. like he doesn't read reviews he doesn't read you know think pieces and him and his brother say that as well about atlanta and i know that's a lie because we talked about this in our Atlanta episode like first season mm-hmm. zazie beat's character was just his baby mama she was just there she had no true like discerning characteristics about her other than sleeping with Vern and being um lottie's mom there was nothing about her that was yeah. distinct she was just kind of there and it was because in their writer's room at the time there were only men in the writer's room and there was like one woman and in season two they have an episode where you learn more about Zazie Beetz's character Vern. Is it is it Vern her name? No no um no Ern is um is Donald's character. Um crap, I forgot her character's name. What is it? No 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 um Wow, no it's Vanessa. It's Vanessa. Van. Right? Yeah, Van. Vanessa. Why'd I say Vern? Van. My bad. Yeah. Um yeah, but then we learn about Vern Vanessa and her, you know, German heritage, because Zazie was also born born in Germany, as she is um, biracial, as well as her character is, you know, black and German. And it's good that they included that, but obviously, there has to be some kind of like, you know, motivation to do that from fans as well. And, you know, you, you know, looking back, there's been yeah. looking back, there's been more episodes centered on the men than on um zazie beats character which is why they changed that in season four but they didn't really yeah didn't really help it was it season four that that happened or was it season three uh are you referring to the camping episode not the camping episode i mean when she kind of went off the grid and then she beat that man with a stick of bread. Oh, that's the finale for season three with the oh, whole yeah. king in the hotel room thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think that sometimes directors need outside perspectives. And like mm-hmm. some directors slash writers are good at writing the stories on their own. But sometimes you really need to put that through a trusted party. And a trusted party can't just be someone who's your guest man or your brother. You know, it has to be someone else. Yeah. I know that um, Atlanta in the later seasons have brought on, they've brought women on to board for the creative team, which is good. 
you know, but of course there are still yeah. things that can change. Um, yeah. But we're not talking about Leto. <laughs> I mean, that's why I didn't put Mr. and Mrs. Smith on my list because yes, I am anticipating it, yeah. but it's just like the history behind, you know, that show and yeah. with Donald and then Donald in the show. Yeah. It's like, oh man, like, I don't know what to say about it. Yeah. So like, it's not like I'm I'm gonna watch it like that, but it's not like on my list of things that you're excited yeah. to watch. Yeah, like my because I've been <laughs> waiting for that for so long. Yeah, just as like we've been waiting for so many other things for so long. Yeah. So, yeah, I my excitement's not like up there anymore. Mm-hmm. It's kind of died like... down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I have to say, I have to wait. I'm going to wait for another black woman to review Mrs. Smith. Because I remember when Swarm mm-hmm. came out, a lot of people really liked the show. Because obviously it's kind of like a satire, I guess I could say. It's like Beyonce fans. Even mm-hmm. though originally the show was supposed to be named Hive. And they changed it to Swarm. Um, and, you know, Beyonce made like a kind of joke or reference to the show. Um, on her uh, Renaissance World Tour, when she was doing um, America Has a Problem, and she's behind like the news desk, and she said, "So my these hands, nigga," you know, like she did that little like call out to the show. Uh, so obviously, like she's probably not bothered by the show in any means. But I remember when the show first came out, a lot of people had really positive things to say about the show. And then I kind of waited a little bit because I wasn't sure if I was going to watch it because although I love Dominique. Um, Fishback it, yeah, and I think she's a phenomenal actress and she should have gotten she should get more nominations for her role in Swarm because that show is so good and I'm glad that Billie Eilish did get a nomination for her role in Swarm because she is so talented and I'm so I'm happy for her I'm glad that she got cast in the movie it's the show I know she's so talented Um, even though I want to support Dominique I was kind of hesitant to watch it because I've already seen Atlanta Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember, I read this interview that Donald had done. He talked about how like Dominique or like the character she plays has to have like animalistic traits, in a way. And I'm like, animalistic. That's not a really positive way to describe your black female character, you know? Because black women are often masculinized and like not seen as humans in a way, and a lot of black women had watched the show and they weren't they were saying it was good but there were some things that could change and it's like okay like Atlanta got it got it got mm-hmm. it got it got it so we haven't changed we haven't adjusted we haven't learned so Mr. and Mrs. Smith I'm sure it'll be great but people have already talked about how like Donald Glover only likes white girls and Asian girls you know and now <laughs> he has a whole show where he has an Asian wife hey, you see that with the casting with uh, Mrs. Smith so yeah it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I didn't want him to like. I don't even cast a black woman for people to like, for for me to like him. I already think Donald Glover is like a Renaissance man in his own right. Okay, he's one of the most talented people we have. Um, he also did that interview with himself, where he talked about <laughs> whether or not he's like scared of black women or not. Yeah, it's just a whole lot of weirdo behavior, and it just makes it so much easier to like him when he doesn't talk. Or just talk mm-hmm. too much. 
You know what I mean? Because it, you know, I, my first thing with him was I've heard Heartbeat in 2011 mm. on the radio. And then from then I'm like, oh, I want to see what this guy does. And then, you know, to kind of like hear about things, like these things and being not a stan, but like a fan. Yeah. Of, like a admirer uh-huh. of the work that you put out. Yeah. Like, it kind of like it kind of makes me feel like like I don't want to like voice any support like that. Mm. Like I don't want to voice too much support mm. just because you know that's the type of person that we're now perceiving you as. Uh-huh. So and I agree with you. Um Swarm you know, when cuz I had to see it I had to review it early. Um uh, right before it released so i had to see it twice over mm. and just the way i the way that dominique fishback's character um i forgot her name but the way that her character is portrayed is like man i wish i gave it a four out of five mm-hmm. um on letterbox just because i know people gave it like 4.5 or a five out of five but it's just the way the story is told and people weren't too sure about what the message was. Yeah. Like I did, like I kind of had to like develop the idea myself in writing. So I kind of like knew what the aim was, but it was just not a good execution Mm -hmm. in like terms of the story and the characters because the idea is there but if you're not doing that with your actors and like the story then it's just it's kind of like what the point what's the point yeah yeah i see that i see what you're saying um yeah we can move into all the things you're excited to see coming out this year um i kind of do want to go through the list a little bit because you did name some very interesting things here and some things that i don't think i've thought about yet um but i am excited also to see love lies and bleeding because i did see the trailer for it on twitter and there are times where you watch a trailer for a movie and it doesn't really give you a lot about what's going to happen and that's the kind of trailers that i love i love something that like leaves you guessing you know, that leads you in anticipation that makes you want to watch it. Especially because, like, it's a Kristen Stewart film. I love Kristen Stewart. And um, people being upset that the main character is actually, like, built like a bodybuilder is so stupid. Because why would you be upset about that? Like, obviously this movie's not for you. Shut up and move out the way, okay? Let the real ones through, okay? Let the real ones in. We're going to watch it. We're going to love it. So, And the guy from Westworld is going to be in it, right? Yes, at least he's getting a paycheck too. Um, Ed Harris. Yeah, I love his performance in Westworld. And I think even Katie O'Brien, um, the lead actor in the film, is also was also in Westworld at one point. Um, so she's had just looking at her filmography, like it's a good thing that she's getting, you know, a role like this because Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, I don't know. Um, she was in Black Lightning for a little while. Um, 
but more importantly, she was in The Mandalorian. I recognized her from there. Um, so it's a good thing that she's kind of like stepping up in the industry with more roles to kind of highlight her, like put her under the spotlight. Yeah, I totally agree. And I really can't wait for this to come out. It does look like an interesting movie. There isn't a lot mm -hmm. of information around what the movie is about, but I'm glad that this is like actually filmed and shot because it looks like it will be releasing um, in March of next year. So it mm -hmm. won't be pushed out because the production, they finished filming it in 2022 and then it was acquired by Lionsgate for the UK distribution and it's going to be mm -hmm. released um, in March 2024 by A24, which sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah, I'm so glad Krista Stewart's coming back to the big screen. I love her. All of her movies are always so good. And this is like literally right up her alley. Like some kind of thriller with like, you know, romance vibes. It's going to give. It's going to give. I'm excited for that. Also, Dave Franco's in this movie, which I don't remember seeing him in the trailer, mm. if I'm being honest. Um, yeah, because it's a really fast paced trailer. So I did kind of spot him, but it was like a split second. So, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I agree with you, uh, you know, as the kids say these days, uh, serving. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the poster is definitely serving and like the trailer serving is what, also John? like, I don't know, serving like it's awesome, badass, I'll say that. Um... <laughs> wow. It's serving awesome. Yeah. Okay. No, it's fine. It's no, fine. it's uh excellent. It's serving excellence. It's um, serving brilliant. excellence. You must. Yes. We'll yeah. accept that. We'll accept that. Okay. Um, let's see what else is on your list. I didn't know anything about the Terminator anime series. To be honest, I haven't watched the Terminator movies. Are you a fan of the Terminator movies? I mean yes, actually. Um I would say it's better than, you know, anything else that James Cameron has put out. And especially if you've seen the first two Terminator films, it's like, um, as you were saying with um, post-apocalyptic post stories, right? And how, you know, there needs to be a, uh, a solution. I think Terminator 2 demonstrates the best, like, circumstance for what that would be. Because you have, you know, my idea that I've studied into is that, you know, there's dystopia and then there's utopia. And dystopia is like a really, is a highly emph uh, emphasized thing that's been going around in the media. And utopia is like not this, it's, not actually achievable but there's something near like close to utopia mm -hmm. and that's implied with uh regina king's character in watchmen is that like we can make the world a better place but it's just the resources that we have access to and how we can like coexist with one another so i think terminator kind of demonstrates that especially like most especially in its second film where like we need to like 
find a way to kind of like find that balance um, in the world as human beings and like, you know, like living with now, like in this um, era that we're living with technology and, you know, like what we can do about that. Mm-hmm. So that's what, that's what I love about the Terminator franchise. So. Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you found something that you like. I'm actually surprised that I haven't mm-hmm. heard about this. Um, because to be honest, whenever Netflix announces things, I tend to just be like, oh, cool. And then I just like let it you know, happen, you know, when it does. Mm-hmm. But this does look a little interesting. I've never really been a huge fan of the Terminator movies, but it does look like an interesting story that they're trying to tell and telling it in a different format, like in an anime series is definitely yeah. um, it's cool. So I guess we'll kind of see how that works and see how they do that, how they manage that. And Mattson Tomlin, you said before, he worked on Project Power and he's currently writing Batman 2. Mm-hmm. So looks like they've gotten someone pretty talented and, you know, someone who'll be able to handle this kind of story. He did another movie, but I'm not going to mention that because it's just, it's a Hulu movie that's not good. Uh. From I haven't finished it. Yeah, I think you know what I mean. Uh, what, what I'm referring to. I didn't finish it, but... Uh, what movie is that? Yeah. Um, Mother Android with Chloe um, Moretz. Oh. People weren't really holding that in high regard. Oh, okay, I see. I just looked it up right now. Yeah, I see. I see mm-hmm. why. I see why. Project Power, I feel like maybe it's only slightly better than that one. Oh, I did not know Machine Gun Kelly was in this movie. He plays the cousin of um, Dominique Fishback's character. He plays her cousin? Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah, I don't know if it's like, you know, cousin in the bear way, or if it's like a blood, like like a blood-related cousin. Get him out so of I here. Wasn't too... Get him out of here. No. <laughs> Uh, spoiler alert, he dies, so it's whatever. Fitting. Okay, cool. Um, let's see. You also mentioned Mickey 17, which I do remember seeing a little bit of buzz about that movie. Um, I know mm. that was Bong Joon-ho's next film, and I remember that the cast list was announced for this movie. It does look like they had finished wrapping up filming for this in December of 2022 as well so it is going to be released 2024 it looks like it's not going to be pushed out Um, it'll be released when they anticipate it and the premise of the film is um, feature adaptation of the science fiction novel by Edward Ashton follows the story of Mickey 17 an expendable who is a disposable employee on a human expedition sent to colonize the ice world Nifheim, Nifheim, I can't pronounce that right. After one iteration dies, a new body is regenerated with most of his memories intact. Hmm. Interesting. And the space half of a Kind novel. of a clone story. Yeah. Oh. Seems like a clone type of situation. Oh. Okay. 
That's really cool. I'll probably check. I'll probably see if I can like get the book and read it. Mm-hmm. See if that's. I mean, good. if they're really pushing for late March, then I have to start the book like next week. Yeah. Absolutely. But I, I if they do push the release date, I wouldn't mind because, yeah, they would have to do marketing like ASAP, like maybe late January, early. February so I don't know what that's gonna be like it definitely looks like an interesting premise for a movie a lot of times with sci-fi films um I find that when I watch the trailer I feel like I can predict what's going to happen because a lot of sci-fi movies are like kind of the same they're very like you know predictable you know copy and paste Mm. but this definitely looks very original very interesting so I am interested to see it, especially because um, Bong Joon-ho is directing this film. So obviously it's going to be a masterpiece. Yeah, I mean, you know, now that we bring that up, um, just the shout out Lee Sung-kyun, um, the actor from Parasite, who just passed away yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, just the circumstances around that are just unfortunate so mm-hmm. yeah but uh you know all things considered like i'm i'm giving myself an, another reason to see parasite again just because it's been a while i came out 2019 i didn't really see it until right before uh covid shut things down so i'm really excited for to see that again and then kind of look into what um, Bong Joon-ho with this new title. Oh yeah, I loved Parasite. Um, I didn't get to see it in theaters. I watched it um, yeah. at home because they put it on Hulu, and it's an amazing movie. I also like it's so it was so dumb when people were complaining that they would have to look at the subtitles to watch the movie because it's a foreign language film and. I don't know what is wrong with y'all and putting in a little extra effort in order to enjoy entertainment. It really isn't that difficult. I went to see mm-hmm. The Boy and the Heron the other day and it was such a beautiful film. Also, that was my first Studio Ghibli movie. Like, oh, in theaters or like ever? Ever. Oh, ever. I'm man, so you're... behind. I'm so behind. I know he's been making movies since like the 90s before. You know, I know. But... No, look, I, I, um, on that note, um, of Studio Ghibli, like, I have not seen one in theaters, but, um, there have been some that I, because anime is not, like, my hugest thing growing up, but <laughs> I've been getting, you know, I've been kind of, like, opening my mind more into, like, you know, kind of dipping into that format of storytelling or like animation storytelling mm-hmm. and there have been some good ones that i've like seen um i just can't remember which ones i've seen that's the thing because uh, i have not seen my neighbor to uh totoro um i think i've seen castle in the sky is what i've seen um ponyo is the one with uh I know it's one of those that yeah. are like some like house in 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 the air. I think that's Castle in the Sky. Um, there's one with Miley, uh, 
Miley Cyrus's younger sibling, um, Ponyo. Um, that was a huge thing um, in the Iron Man year. Um, so there's some good ones that you should check out. Well, I haven't seen a lot of them either, so I'm on the same boat as you. So, yeah, um, I do plan on watching all of them now because after I saw the boy and the heron, I was fully like I was so moved by the movie. Like I actually started crying in the theater. It was so amazing and beautiful, and I loved it so much. And um, watching, I wanted to watch the movie with the subtitles because I don't like mm-hmm. dubbed versions of things. The dubbed no. version doesn't sound right. It's really not my not my bag of tea and um, not my cup of tea. And I remember when there was an announcement for the English dubbed version of the film and there were like all these big named actors being named. And honestly, I feel like that would have taken a- away from me the experience of watching the film because I don't think I would have been able to like really immerse myself in the story if I had to listen to Robert Pattinson's voice, you know, like that wouldn't have helped me. That wouldn't have like benefit. That wouldn't have, you know, elevated my movie or viewing experience. So I went to see it with the, you know, obviously Japanese voice and then the English subtitles. And it was still pretty good. It was such a beautiful, well done film. And um, yeah, I'm excited for Mickey 17. Um, I think it's going to be very, very good. And I feel like it's going to be one of those movies that people will watch. And we're just going to talk about it like all year. Like it's just going to be one of those movies yeah. that people will not stop talking about. And I'm very excited for that because I think it's going to be really amazing. And also everybody in the cast is so talented. Like this is such a phenomenal cast of people. And I'm excited to read the book because okay, I want to read the book to see if I can like maybe figure out what's yeah. still going to be the movie, what they're going to take out of the movie. But we never really know. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's another thing. Like, I I cannot touch, like, adaptations anymore until I get into the source because it makes me feel guilty mm. that, like, okay, well, I've seen, like, the, the, the film, but, like, like what was the, what was the source material about? Yeah. Was that any good? Yeah. So I want to get into the book for, first before I get into the film. Um this was supposed to, or this was claimed to be Miyazaki's final film, but apparently, um, I think earlier this month it was announced that he was gonna work on more. Um, you mean the boy in the know, project? Yeah, this was supposed to be his final because I think he's pushing. Yeah, he's he's already in his eighties, so uh, yeah, I'm glad that he's still like planning to work on more projects, though. So good for him. Like, get that, get, get that money. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah. agree with you. Um, whenever I want to see a movie that's like based off of a book, I do want to read the book first, just because that's what I used to do when I was younger. Um, I yeah. watched Shadow and Bone, and I really loved that series. That was amazing. I don't know why Netflix canceled it. It doesn't make any sense. But I started watching book reviews i were i realized when i was watching the show i have seen people i have watched book reviews for the book already so i already knew some of the plot points in the show so some of the spoilers in the show weren't really spoilers to me because i already had a general idea of what would happen in the book but then i remember i was watching you know people review the show versus the book and a lot of people were talking about like the differences between it and that's why it's always good to kind of know the source material of what you're watching 
so that you mm-hmm. understand like what is in the story, what isn't in the story, and but you also understand why certain things aren't included in the movie, like how Steven Spielberg didn't you know include all the details with Celie and Shug's relationship and kind of like soften mm-hmm. and blur the lines of their relationship, even though that kind of takes away from the original story in the original point of who they are as characters, you know. And me personally, that's also why I haven't seen um, Ballad of Songburns and Snakes yet, because a lot of people were talking Ooh. about that movie for a long time, and yeah. I did want to watch it, but at the same time, I was kind of like, should I watch this movie? Because I really don't really know what it's about, and I feel like I need to do, like, I feel like I'm missing a prerequisite before I see this movie. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. love the Hunger Games books, but I didn't watch... I didn't read the prequel book because it was kind of like, you know, what's Snow's story? And I didn't really care because, like, who cares about Snow? He's a villain in the story. I, I don't even know why he became a villain. He, like, who cares? What sympathy should I have for that man? None. Whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, there... Like, a couple of points is, like, the lesson of the day... Like, one the lesson of the day should be or like one of the lessons of the day should be media literacy and how we should really like read into things before you know providing your hot takes because just the things that i'm seeing on social media like it's like what are we doing here like i i kind of want to take a break sometimes you know Mm. um the second thing though is like again like Wise this year, I have not seen Shyamalan's Knock on the Cabin because that was based on a novel. Um, uh, Renfield and that um, Dracula in the Boat movie, um, I have not. You know, I'm gonna get. Uh, I'm gonna anger some teachers here, but I haven't read. Uh, I haven't read um, Dracula, so I plan to soon, but. Um, I want to read that. Um, what else? Um, Killers of the Flower Moon, that was based on a nonfiction novel. And I really want to read the perspectives of people in that source material before I get into Scorsese's film. Um, the Killer, that I have the source material with me, but I haven't finished it. Um, so I haven't seen that just yet and oh, I really want to yeah I want to review that soon yeah um yeah he puts out a lot of um you know adaptations so I think the good thing that film the thing that film bros are missing or like are the missing the point of is just the message because like with with Fight Club the message is in the novel and the messages in the like the story of the film and i think film bros are it's like going over their heads you know uh-huh. so and poor things poor things like been highly talked about i want to i really want to buy the color purple and poor things to just read in like physically in my hands mm-hmm. And even the uh, the boy and the heron, I think that one would be interesting too. So, yeah, I plan on seeing yeah. poor things pretty soon because I love Yorgos Lanthimos. He's one of my 
favorite filmmakers and everybody mm-hmm. in the cast in that movie are people I love, especially Emma Stone. She's, oh my gosh, she's so amazing. And I'm glad that she's in this movie, like doing like this weird little film that's all campy and strange. Yeah, I still have no idea what it's about. Even if people are talking about it, like. Someone described like the movie to me that it was like weird Barbies. Like it's a movie for hmm. people who relate to weird Barbie. So I guess like, that's definitely my incentive to watch it. Um, I've already seen like a mutual of mine on TikTok talk about the film, how it's very similar to Barbie in terms of like, you know, white feminism and like basic feminism, like understanding like women are people and we should have jobs and we should be seen Mm -hmm. as human beings, you know, and not anything, not any deeper thoughtful critique beyond that. So I'm still going to watch it because I do love Joris Anthemos and I think he's a phenomenal filmmaker. And then I'll kind of like see what I think of it from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's made what three films already? He, like aside from yeah, I guess three. Um, the Lobster, the Killing of the Sacred yeah. Deer, and then the Favorite. Oh, the yeah. fa- okay, that's the one I'm missing. Then is that the one where it's like um, Colin Farrell in like um, like a in a some not like an, in a mansion is that the one well colin farrell he's in the lobster which is the movie about okay. like people who have to be in a relationship or also turn into an animal and then he's in the killing of the sacred deer which is the movie mm-hmm. where he and nicole kidman are married and and then barry kilgan barry you know. kilgan comes in and starts to mess up their <laughs> lives and then mm-hmm. the favorite is a film with olivia coleman um Emma Stone and then Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of Nicholas Holt then. He was in that film. Yeah, I, I have forgetting okay. that he was in that too. That's crazy. Because Nicholas Holt is a very talented actor. I always forget that yeah, he's in he's... it. You know people always forget like Sterling K. Brown is in Black Panther? Like <laughs> they're in there, but it's like they're not like in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he does help provide, uh, Sterling K. Brown really provides, like, he helps provide the the ethos of Black Panther because the scenes with between his character and Michael B. Jordan's uh, Killmonger is, like, makes me cry. Like, those scenes, and even with uh, T'Challa and his father, like, T'Chaka, mm-hmm. like, the emotion of Black Panther, yeah is is what really drives that home for me yeah um, yeah and nicholas holt is superman or no no he's alex luther uh why yeah i just don't i don't that's such like, a terrible I casting and i love nicholas I, yeah, holt so much but there are so many other characters that he could play i also feel like i mean i this isn't a surprise but i feel like james gunn rebooting the dceu and then focusing on superman it's such a stupid mm-hmm. move, and it's so lame. There are so many other comic book heroes and villains and anti-heroes we could focus on. Like, you don't have to do the one superhero that we've made countless movies about, countless TV shows about. Like, mm-hmm. everybody knows Superman. Please do somebody else. Please do somebody original. Like, I'm glad they did the Blue Beetle movie. It just sucks that the Blue Beetle came out around the time of the strike, so there wasn't a lot of, like, promotion around it. But mm-hmm. it was still a pretty good movie, which I enjoyed. And that's what I want. I want more original you know, unknown 
superheroes getting a chance to have their own movies mm-hmm. not just like <sighs> superman like luther and batman and uh, it's like please stop <laughs> please do something we haven't seen yeah. before tell me something i don't know yeah i mean uh, that's the one film i'm i haven't seen yet blue beetle um that like dc movies that i think that one if i had to choose like what i'm gonna watch i think blue beetle blue beetle might be the because it's it's just critically like there like it's it's praised more than Mm -hmm. whatever else has been out this year so i might consider that more over like the aquaman and the Flash. You know? Oh, I, I definitely wasn't watching Flash or Aquaman. You can pay me to watch Aquaman. Yeah, like and... uh, earlier this Tuesday, like my siblings and I were like deciding on what to, to watch, and they're like, "Oh, Wonka, Aquaman too," and I just said, "You know what? We're watching Iron Claw. We're not gonna, we're not gonna like pay money." You to just made them watch of... Iron Claw. Yeah. <laughs> Oh <laughs> they weren't that traumatized though so i think all wall as well so okay yeah <laughs> sure that makes it fine <laughs> that makes it perfectly fine that makes it perfectly okay what are your um anticipated films of the year or of next year uh my anticipations let's see let me pull out my list i have a couple of the things so I'll just do a quick run through. I don't know if I'm going to name all of them, if I'm being honest. Um, first one is going to be um, uh, Ironheart. That's coming out in 2024. Um, near the end of 2024, I believe. Um, I think they pushed it out because they're waiting on other things to come out in the Marvel, you know, release schedule, I guess. And this show has to come out before those come out and blah, 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 whatever else. But I am excited for that to come out. I do wish Ironheart was released after Black Panther 2. I think that would have been a smarter move. But what do I know? I don't work for Marvel. Um, Next is Orphan Black Echoes, which seems to be some kind of remake of Orphan Black, which is a show I really loved. I know they did a podcast series about Orphan Black as well. And I'm interested to see what Orphan Black Echoes will bring to the table. Next one is Fallout. It is the television show adaptation of the video game series um, that came out of Bethesda. It comes out April 2024, made by the creators of Westworld. Uh, next is going to be Agatha. They've changed the byline for the show so many times, but it's the Agatha mm-hmm. Harkness show. I'm very excited for that to come out. Um, a couple of the shows that I've listed are shows that are, a couple of the movies I listed actually are going to be coming out in January, so I don't really have to go over those. Uh, but mm-hmm. next one would be Deadpool 3, Challengers, um, the Zendaya movie, directed by Luca Guadagnino. Guadagnino, yes. Yeah. Um, the Fall Guy, directed by David Lynch, starring Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt. Um, and then there's Maxine, Dune 2, Madam Web, and that's about all the things that I'm excited for coming out this year. Obviously, there probably are more things that I'm not listing right now, mm-hmm. but those are the things I'm really anticipating. 
Yeah, yeah, we weren't. I know when you told me to provide a list, like you know, overlap, but mm -hmm. I do agree with like you know, Deadpool, you know, Hugh Jackman returning in the role of Wolverine, like you know, people are saying that he shouldn't, you know, Logan should have just uh, it should have just stayed with Logan and not mm -hmm. kind of do more, but I think you know, I'm, Logan... I'm up for more. Well, Logan takes place in 2029, so mm. Deadpool 3, it kind of takes place before then, so I think that it works, but a lot of the fans mm -hmm. had already kind of, like, come to terms with the fact that Wolverine wasn't returning to the MCU, so for him to appear in Deadpool 3 just kind of felt like a retcon, in a way. Mm -hmm. you know I mean? It's kind of like after Black Widow had died in... Uh, end, uh, end, yeah, Endgame. Endgame. Yeah. Okay, I, I was about to say Infinity War, but I was like, no, that's wrong. After Black Widow yeah. died in Endgame, and then we have Black Widow the movie, it's kind of like, okay, well, this is kind of like... Awkward. <laughs> yeah, this is a little weird. Like, what are we doing here? And I also feel like... I don't know. I think people kind of let it slide because it's Ryan Reynolds. And he's like everyone's favorite white guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and White Canadian. And yeah, him and Hugh Jackman are like best buds or whatever. So them being in a movie <laughs> together will be like fun. And he gets to put on the suit again. And then we get to see Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman do a press tour. It's like, oh my gosh, we're going to make so much money off of this movie. And I'm excited just in general because I mm. love Deadpool. I love the Deadpool movies. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of the characters that are kind of pushed to the side in the Deadpool movies get their chance to shine, but I kind of feel like this is going to be like the huge shot. I feel like this is going to be the Deadpool and um, Wolverine show. You know it I mean? very, it really does feel like that. I mean, they they have all the the cast members of like the previous two films, and I don't. I feel like it's just like it's going to start off with Deadpool kind of leaving the Fox universe and then kind of like jumping in to the MCU. I feel it really does feel like that. And especially like all of these like all of the information that's kind of like leaked. You know, I don't want to give anything away, but it does feel like we're kind of seeing the other like the other past Marvel movies like, you know, um X-Men and Daredevil, Elektra. We're just going to like kind of like kind of fly through those. So it feels like a very, it feels like what a multiverse of madness would be. But, you know, I haven't really, I haven't seen Deadpool 3, so I can't really say that. Um, um, but Maxine is a good one, too. I'm really excited to see um, that film kind of finally um, hit the big screen because the release of um, X and then Pearl was kind of, like a huge surprise just because you know we don't really get that from filmmakers these days um kind of releasing one one film and then like the sequel right after they're gonna do that with the upcoming avengers movies but then those release dates kind of like um kind of had to be changed you know we saw that with harry potter and the deathly hollows and how you know, the release dates were kind of within a year. So 
that's like my special thing that I like about like movies is that you can kind of release those in that way. Even The Matrix, they did that with on um, the second and third films. So yeah, just I... to see Maxine come back is like I want to see like how they um, because I think Ty West said that's the final film in yeah, that it is the final know? one. Yeah. So I want to see like how that is resolved for uh, Maxine's character mm-hmm. or for Maxine as a character. Yeah. I do think it's interesting how Ty West is able to do X and then Pearl and then Maxine, one or the other. Cause usually um, filmmakers do have to kind of like <clears throat> wait a bit after their film has mm-hmm. been released in order to be able to make a sequel. But I think it's really cool that he's able to, he's able to release these next two, this next film after Pearl. And, you know, X is really great. I really did love X. And um, Pearl was definitely, like, a hidden gem. I feel like this was a really underrated horror film that came out. Um, and I think Maxine's going to be really good. Um, but uh, I just want to, like, circle back to Deadpool real quick. Because yeah. I do hope that with Deadpool 3... They at least allow Vanessa to become her character in the comics, which is copycat. You know, I am disappointed because in the first movie, she was just kind of like Wade's girlfriend. And the second movie, they fridged her. And now we're going to be able to see her. So hopefully they she gets to, you know, assume her identity as copycat in the film, Um, because that is who Vanessa carlisle is that's her character name uh if it's something different you guys can feel free to correct me but it's really cool because she has some really awesome abilities and i think it'll be really interesting to see that happen in the movie um i'm sad that domino isn't returning because i do love zazie yeah it's really sad but i know that she probably passed on the opportunity because she's really busy doing something else which i think is really great um obviously there hasn't been a lot of information on what the plot of deadpool 3 will be about but that's fine matthew mcfaden is also going to be in the film succession yes from succession and from pride of prejudice although we don't know what his character is quite yet but we will see and we know that um we will also see Colossus returning, Dupinder, um, Yokio, and Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I would like long it... superhero name. Yes, <laughs> I would like it if um, you know Negasonic Teenage Warhead and Yukio got more than five lines in the third movie. <laughs> yeah, I'd really appreciate it. I'd also like to see their powers in the movie as well. You know, that would be dope. I also would like it if Yukio would have actual lines instead of her playing the silent Asian trope. Again, mm-hmm. you know. Um, also, Electra is going to be returning. Jennifer Garner, she'll be returning as Electra, which I think is really dope. I think that will be really nice. And she's had a long break from acting. And I think it would be really cool to see her come back in a superhero movie. Um, there will be Has some- she? Yeah, I didn't know that she's been gone. Yeah, she's had a break from acting. She's been raising her kids. Oh, okay. Well, that yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I thought it was just like because you know there were there have been like um, Cameron Diaz and 
uh, Drew Barrymore kind of retired also. So I just thought it was some, you know, reason aside from family. But I mean, family is like, yeah, even um, Rick Moranis had to leave. You know, he didn't do like Ghostbusters for a while. So to kind of take, take care of his family. So I kind of, yeah, I understand that. <clears throat> yeah, I'm excited um, to see what happens next. And I know that Emma Curran was also cast in Deadpool 3. Uh, if you guys don't know who Emma Curran is, you probably have seen her in The Crown, My Policeman, A Murder at the End of the World, which is a new series on Hulu. Um, mm-hmm. So she is kind of like an up-and-coming actress who is in Marvel. She also stated in an interview that she hasn't seen a lot of Marvel movies. She's only seen like Black Panther and like Spider-Man. So she needed a Marvel debrief, you know, to like really understand her character. And there have been some guesses as to who her character is because she's supposed to be playing a villain. If she's playing the main antagonist of the movie, I'm not sure because it could still be Matthew McFadden, you know, because his mm-hmm. character hasn't been really like revealed. Um, I do have some guesses for what her character might be. I think that she could be Cassandra Nova, who is the twin sister of Charles Xavier. She could be Cassandra Nova, or I feel like she could be Typhoid Mary, or she could be Itsy Bitsy, which is a um, kind of like an anti-hero in my eyes, who kind of went after Spider-Man and Deadpool in the comics. Or she could be playing Lady Deadpool, which I think could be an Ooh. interesting take since we are kind of diving into the multiverse. It would be cool to see if she's playing Lady Deadpool. There's nothing that's confirmed as of yet, but we'll just have to wait and see. But I feel like Lady yeah, Deadpool, it... it might be a thing, but it may not. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, we still have one until July, so there's, there's a lot that can happen between now and then. Um, but Emma Corrin, like, I haven't seen a lot from, like, whatever, uh, I haven't seen a lot of the works that they have been putting out, Mm -hmm. um, but I think A Murder at the End of the World was one that I've been anticipating. I'm just waiting for the whole, um, season to kind of release before I can get into that. Oh, yeah, she's also in Nosferatu, right? Mm, not sure. Mm, I didn't even know they were in uh, Pennyworth. Um, but, you know, they have good credits so far. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see what they do next. Mm-hmm. Especially with Deadpool 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, me as well. Me as well. And I am excited to see Maxine because <clears throat> I think that it's a lot of fun to see like gritty horror films full of sex coming back to the movies i think this is a lot of fun and i love that it's being released and like it has a wider release in movie theaters as well so more people get a chance to watch it and i did love seeing pearl um so i think maxine will be very interesting to watch and the cast for maxine is really really good but yeah, I mean, we have um, speaking, you know, we brought up Swarmer earlier, but uh, Halsey is in uh, Maxine. Um, 
Oh, she wasn't as well. No, I was joking. Um, that was Paris Jackson playing oh. Halsey. Oh. <laughs> Just as I said, Halsey was this war. In my head, I was like, "Wait, no, she wasn't." <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, um, did she like? Was she in the show? And she was kind of like, I don't know if this is true. She's talking about how she's black. Right. Yeah, uh, well, Paris Jackson is for sure, but yeah. I don't know about Halsey. Halsey's black. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Halsey and Paris Jackson and Rashida Jones are also, are all like, you know, white women that look like white women, but they're black. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth, oh, Moses Somney. Um, I believe he was, he did something like that. Oh, he was in the idol, but I, I have I had a feeling that I believe his music wasn't featured in Euphoria, if I remember right, or something. Who was featured in Euphoria? Uh, Moses Sumi. I believe so. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I think uh, season two, I believe. Mm-hmm. I am also really glad that there isn't a lot of information behind, you know, what the movie's going to be about or mm-hmm. when it's going to be released. I'm sad because, like, the trail, the teaser for Maxine came out um, kind of early. And then, so we're still kind of waiting on more details. And I know that, like, once this movie... Once more details are revealed, it's going to be all over Twitter, which I am excited for. But mm-hmm. there's a little piece of me that's kind of like, I want to know. I want to know what's going to happen, you know? Because it does. I mean, like... one thing, yeah. The you were cast... saying, wait, you were saying. No, it's fine. It's just the cast is very interesting. You know, we have mm-hmm. obviously Mia Goth, Halsey, Elizabeth Debicki, who I love. Um, she was in Tenet in The Crown. Um, we have Moses Sumney, who is a musician that <clears> was also, um, I guess, was in Creed, but his music was featured in um, Euphoria. And then there's Lily Collins, Michelle Monaghan, Kevin Bacon, and Giancarlo Esposito. And then Helena Bottom Carter. Like, you have all these phenomenal actors in your movie. It's like, what's happening? What's going on? What are we going to do? Yeah, I want to know. It's a weird mixture of the, you know, these people in Hollywood. Like, I I would not expect to see Kevin Bacon in the same movie with Halsey, you know, and Mia Goth. It's, yeah. So I'm, it's a unique casting decision for sure. It's not like yeah. a Barbie thing where it's like glamorous. It's more like, oh, let's just see who is loved or adored by the public and then just kind of throw them into here so i really can't wait for maxine whatever it's going to bring i think it's going to be a very interesting story and i can't wait for them to like close out the story of what's going to happen i mean for sure the pattern of the story you know like just looking at the pattern for x and pearl we're going to be looking at um, how sex is portrayed and how that kind of juxtap- uh, juxtaposes with uh, the media of that era. 
which, you know, at this point would be the 80s, 90s, and how I, I believe that's the VHS era, mm-hmm. if, I, if I remember right. So, yeah, I'm kind of, there's not a lot that I know about that era. You know, Babylon, I don't know, I haven't seen Babylon, but I would assume that Babylon doesn't touch upon that later part of the 20th century, like, filmmaking so I'm interested in kind of seeing how like media was made in that, you know, part of uh, the 1900s. Yeah, I think it'll be really cool. Um, mm-hmm. One show I am very excited for is Fallout because mm-hmm. I haven't played the game Fallout before. But I remember seeing the trailer be recommended to me on YouTube and watching it was so surreal because the video game is one of the best video games to come out of Bethesda that they've ever made. And um, just some information here from Interplay's original 1997 Fallout game to the online multiplayer game Fallout 76, um, there, have been a numer- there have been numerous different characters that vary in their humanity. And now that there is a live action TV series coming out that's based off of the video game, you're going to learn a lot Mm. about the haves and the have-nots in a world where there's almost nothing left to have. So there are going to be a lot of people, like, essentially Fallout is the video game. Um, It's about, you know, the world. You know, there's been, like, this nuclear disaster, and a lot of people are coming out of these bunkers and they're trying to see like what's left of the world now and what's like left for them here you know what can they you know build from this or, like how will they survive from this and mm-hmm. i am definitely like most interested because ella purnell she was in yellow jackets and she's i think it's gonna be the lead actress in the show mm-hmm. and she looks like a video game character like i don't know how <laughs> to explain this she looks like somebody you would make in a video game you know, like beautiful brown eyes, perfect face and bone structure. Um, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see her because she plays the character of Lucy, who is an optimistic vault dweller with an all-American can-do spirit. Her peaceful, idealistic nature is tested when people harm her loved ones. And then Aaron Martin, who is from Emancipation, and I think Twin Peaks he's um, he plays maximus who's a young soldier who tries to hide his tragic past as he serves in the brotherhood of steel and then there's walter goggins who plays ghoul who is a pragmatic ruthless bounty hunter and he doesn't look like walter goggins either because when you watch the, the the teaser or the trailer this oh, man has yeah. no nose and i'm very excited to see what he's going to bring to the show i think this is definitely going to be another hit from amazon you know, it looks like a show that costs a lot of money and took a lot of time to make, but it's going to be something that is going to be an undeniable hit. And people are going to <laughs> love this show. And I'm very excited to see it. I think it's going to be amazing. I mean, we also have Kyle McLaughlin, who is, who is actually in um, Twin Peaks um, as a supporting character, mm-hmm. um, Ella Purnell's father. Oh, okay, um, I just said that. Okay, yeah. Aaron Moten is not. Aaron Moten is in the show, but I thought he was Kyle McLaughlin. 
Because when I said his oh. name, I was looking at Kyle McLaughlin's picture. But I'm wrong. Mm. Okay, Era Moten yeah. was actually in Disjointed, Native Son, Father Stew. And Kyle McLaughlin is also in the show as well. And he's from Twin Peaks. So that's my bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also have Moises Arias from Hannah Montana. Interesting. Um, Leslie Uggams, who was, you know, as we spoke about earlier Deadpool, from the Deadpool Blind movie. Out. Yeah. And then Chris Parnell. It's an interesting name because he's i've known him from the rick and morty show so as uh, jerry smith um so that's interesting um but you know i'm not surprised at you know at this show because it's created by um lisa joy and jonathan nolan who did westworld so that's i'm not surprised there they've been doing so well with westworld and Mm -hmm. it's a shame that they canceled um, one of their, you know, Westworld was canceled also, but they had another show that was canceled recently. Um, I think it's the Chloe Moretz, uh, series. Peripheral? Or, yeah, that I believe that's what it was. Um. I didn't watch it, I just know it because. Yeah, I the Peripheral. It. I saw the ads on Amazon Prime all the time. They wanted people to watch yeah. that show so badly. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, Citadel, but that's something else. No, it's, yeah, it's things entirely. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. Zach Cherry um, is in this as well. He was in Severance. Um, oh, yeah, I think I, he's... I think um... need to watch Severance. I need to get on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the casting here is just as as it is but it's like how These i are feel all about jobs for maxine it's like a unique Yet only one casting it's not like autism are you know as you were saying with ella Purnell being like a video game like face she looks is that like, like she would be yeah. in a video game it's just it's, it's, it's honestly meant as a compliment like truly it is meant as a compliment because she is so pretty. like a default character or default you would have character, to but i feel like when you go into like building a character into a video game and you're building a woman, you'd probably make her with like high cheekbones, big brown eyes, a cute little ponytail. Mm. Like she looks like somebody who would be in a video game. So I think that the casting for her in this show is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And you I know, think... uh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Um, honestly, I have not seen her in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, she was in Kick Ass 2, but she wasn't really like a main character. And she's been, you know, as you mentioned, she was, you know, more, she's more well known for Yellow Jackets, but she, you know, by the time season two hit, she wasn't, you know, spoiler alert, she wasn't really the main character. Um, She was also in Army of the Dead, um, which was nice. Um, Oh, she was in Invincible. Yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, she does voice acting too. Mm-hmm. So it would be really interesting to see, like, just to see, like, what she does with um, another post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, role. Yeah. I am excited for Fallout because just from the trailer alone, it looks like it's going to be a lot like The Boys, where there is a lot of violence. And mm-hmm. also since it is post-apocalyptic in a nuclear, after a nuclear war, there are be there's gonna be a lot of like animals and like bugs and people that do not 
look like normal animals and bugs. Like, just from the trailer, I saw a cockroach that looked like a horse. So, obviously, this is going to be, you know, not pulling back, not holding back anything. And I think it's going to be really interesting. And I'm a lot of fun to see. I'm a lot of, I'm like, I'm really excited to see this show. And I know mm-hmm. it's not going to hold back. I think it's going to be really cool. And, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. I do encourage everyone to go see the teaser for Fallout because it is really awesome. It's really dope. And I can't wait for the show to come out. I don't know if they're going to release it episode by episode. I feel like they're going to do, like, you know, first two episodes out one day. And they're going to release it weekly like they do with the boys. They're definitely not going to drop this all at once because they want people to come back every single week to watch Hmm. the show, which makes sense. I mean, I'm interested in, like, what that release strategy is like because they did that with Swarm, just dropping everything all at once. Um, you know, they did that same thing with the boys season one and, you know, season one was highly talked about, but then, you know, come season two and three of the boys, um, they decided to go weekly. So I think depending on what, you know, the fallout entails in terms of story, like if, because I know like critics are going to, critics can do this thing where it's like, they review the show all at once or episode by episode. And preferably, like, what I like to do is I love to do go episode by episode just to, like, dissect things even more rather than just, like, one season at a time. So I think if Fallout does get released as one season, or, like, as a, as a weekly release, then I'm really interested in... T- seeing like the reactions to that and how like what the discourse is going to be like okay i just have to um give you guys a correction real quick because i put orphan black as something that i'm excited to come out in 2023 turns out they already released the show in november Because I literally mm. just clicked on Oh, Echoes? Yeah, Orphan Black Echoes. It's a show starring Kristen Ritter. And I clicked on an article about the show that I put in for my notes. And it said the release date was mm-hmm. November 3rd, 2023. So I was like, wait, what? Are you serious? So now I'm clicking on it and I realized that the show was released already. But I can't find out where I can watch it. Um... It says here on Wikipedia, uh, AMC, AMC Plus. So, was it an AMC show? AMC? AMC Plus? Are you kidding me? I hate that. I'm not getting that service. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, um, sail the high seas. Yeah, you know, as, uh, Tom Holland said. (laughs) I'm gonna sail the high seas. I don't care. Um, so I had to take that off my list for things I'm excited for, because obviously that's the next thing I'm gonna be watching. Um, Orphan Black Echoes and I'm excited to see it because I love Kristen Ritter I think she is phenomenal and honestly watching this show is going to make me wish that Jessica Jones didn't end because mm-hmm. I love that show it was so good and also um, I did put Daredevil Born Again on my list but I yeah. took it off 
because I was reading an article that the creators of the show did. Um, I was reading an article that was an interview for the creators of Daredevil Born Again, and they were basically just restarting the series. They're not starting from where it left off. So what's the point of me watching this show? Because the Netflix series is so superior. It's so good. It holds yeah. so strong. And I wish that Netflix I wish that Marvel wasn't a dick and they were like, oh, Netflix, you can't keep making these shows. We're going to take that because that's R.I.P. And <laughs> in your face. Like, that's so unfair, especially to me, because yeah. I love Jessica Jones. I love Daredevil. And although I didn't like Iron Fist and I did not watch Iron Fist and I only like Luke Cage season one, I didn't finish season two because I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm done. Um, mm-hmm. I did want Sisters of the Dragon to happen with Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. I want that to happen so badly, but you know, Marvel already has so many things that were supposed to be released by now that they haven't released yet. So asking them to release something else would be too much to ask, apparently, because we still haven't heard about Armor Wars. But um, yeah, I'm not excited for Daredevil Born Again. I I am going to watch it. I'm yeah, watch yeah, it for sure. It's a Daredevil, and I need to compare the two. And after I finish watching that, I'm going to uh, shit on it as much as possible. <laughs> I am. Not to mention that it's a it's a longer episode season like than the Netflix series. So it's 20, what, 22 episodes? And I don't know how long those are, especially because it's a Hold Disney bus. Hold on. Yeah. So Did you know that? So we're 22 episodes of Daredevil, but you gave us six episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Does that make sense? No, no. Uh, my, uh, sorry. 18 episodes, but still. 18 episodes so, that's too many episodes i'm gonna say that right yeah now. with netflix it was 13 and, and like yeah. i get burnt out easily with a 13 episode season so I'm i don't know how i'm gonna deal when with I start a season i have to finish it yeah it's a terrible habit like i started this show on apple tv called slow horses it's so good mm-hmm. i'm already in season three and there are only six episodes in every season Every episode is yeah. 45 minutes long. I'm in season three. I'm about to finish season three. Like, when we get off this call, I'm about to finish season three. Like, that's what's wrong with my brain. Like, binge watching has, like, destroyed the way I watch things. But, like, 18 episodes. What are we doing here? No, they're, they're not going to do a whole season drop. It's going to be a weekly thing. Oh, my gosh. And the way that, you know, 18, ep- if it's 18 episodes and one per week, it's oh like going God. to college. That's going to go on forever. Do you know how long, like, a semester of college is? That's going to go on it's forever. 17 weeks. So it's a whole semester of college. That's going to go on forever. Oh, my yeah. gosh. If there are any, like, flop, if there are any episodes that are, like, dubs, man, don't. I'm being so serious right now. Like, this is my message, my personal message to the creators of Daredevil Reborn or Daredevil Born Again. I'm sorry. You're, you have chosen to take a show. That was on Netflix that did very well, well loved, well written. And you've already talked about how much you guys love the original show. I get it. We all did. However, you now have a task where you have to make a show where you're essentially starting again with a longer structure on a streaming platform that a lot of people are leaving because let's be honest, your company is supporting um, a genocide. Uh, Mm -hmm. So whatever it is y'all gonna bring to the table, y'all better bring it. Y'all better give your A game, you better give 100%, you better give it your all. Because if, there if there's one flop in the season, just one, it's over. It's done, babes. I'm sorry. Um, Matthew Murdoch will not be able to help you, okay? Wilson Fisk <laughs> cannot be strong enough. 
all right and so i read i saw a rumor i don't know if this is true or not that foggy and karen aren't coming back to the show which i feel oh. like is such a detriment to the original show because why would you take away my trio why would you take away my trio? i agree yeah what's going on here you can't have him you can't have daredevil be rogue out in the streets we've already seen how that doesn't help okay we need karen we need foggy we need electra and we need rosario dawson i forgot her character's name but it doesn't matter she's in all she was in all of those the shows. night nurse the night nurse the yeah night nurse yeah it was so interesting how she was in all those shows like girl she was a stand well i want to compare her to stanley but she was sort of like that yeah bridge between things it's so. like girl what are you doing here you ain't got no new friends coffee <laughs> girl come on it's like girl you gotta move i know you ain't make that much money but like we don't have to leave here yeah yeah new york's not the only place um but you know marvel marvel you know people make this critique about dc but marvel has been you know in a weird place lately you know, um, they canceled MODOK, which was um, a stop-motion show on Hulu. I don't think starring, a lot of people um, liked MODOK, though, right? <clears throat> I did. It was like, because it was the same stop-motion production company as um, Stupid, Stupid Buddy. It was the same company as Robot Chicken on Adult Swim. So it was kind of those vibes of like you know like really immature adult humor um but you know marvel has put out a lot of tv shows outside of disney plus and then to kind of just axe a lot of them you know freeform had uh cloak and dagger i think that was a really mature show um you know especially because my perception of you know freeform was originally you know abc family so i didn't expect cloak and dagger to be that then we had Runaways on Hulu. Um, so a lot of like, um, and then we had the Netflix shows. So Marvel like produced a lot of like, uh, I don't want to say content because now that feels like, you know, insulting, but like a lot of uh, material uh, for its fan or, you know, like its audiences. Um, so they, they, Essentially, like, they canceled a lot of shows, but there was one that surprisingly, like, got greenlit for a second season, which was um, not um, something, sorry, the Has Marvel Hit Monkey. What? Huh? Yeah, Hit Monkey with Olivia Munn. Or no, uh, yeah, Olivia Munn uh, and George Takai. That was a, because there was a whole bunch of Marvel animation uh, television series that were um, being produced. There was Hitmonkey, um, Modoc, and some other shows. And I just thought that Hitmonkey would be canceled with Modoc. But apparently more uh, earlier this month, Hitmonkey was greenlit for a second season coming out uh, in 2024. So that's kind of a weird thing for me to kind of like you know, uh, I, I was surprised because I haven't seen it, but like, if that's going to be greenlit, can we get like, can we get a revival of other, you know, uh, canceled things? 
from Marvel. I didn't I even know. know that Hitmonkey was a show. Yeah. It was based on it's it's a lesser known character for sure. Um yeah. Cuz it came out like the second year of COVID, so I don't think a lot of people were paying that much attention to it. Hmm. I'm going to be honest, the only animated Marvel shows I've heard of were um Spider-Man freshman year, I think, yeah. because Tom Holland was casted to play Spider-Man in the um to play the voice role and then moon girl and um devil dinosaur and the reason why i heard about that was because uh sam regal <laughs> who was a part of critical role is the voice director on that series and also because diamond white mm-hmm. is the lead actress on the show i'm sorry my mom just walked in um, yeah, Diamond White plays the lead actress of the show. And I know Diamond White because she was a contestant on X Factor when there was the American X Factor, and I've been a fan of her ever since. And mm-hmm. um, Sam Regal, I think, won a Children and Family Emmy for voice directing on that show. And the reason why I found out about that was because I f- am in Critical Role Twitter. So everyone was talking about it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Did not know that he was a part of that show at all, but. You know, congratulations to Sam Regal. You deserve that. Um, yeah. So. You said Moon Girl. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Oh, Devil Dinosaur. Yeah. Okay. That was. Oh, that's on Disney Channel. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering where that was. I so... thought it was Disney XD or whatever it was called. Is Disney XD still a thing? Is it? Um, yeah, that was one of those TV channels that I never had access to growing up, so I, mean, I just didn't see I watched Disney XD, out. but I didn't know if it was still a thing. I completely forget. I for, Sometimes in my mind, I forget children watch things on television, so of course Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur would be on the Disney channel. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, okay. I didn't realize that was February. I thought that was, like, Maybe like later in this year. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. What were we talking about before? Um, Marvel Daredevil. Daredevil. Okay. There was another Marvel release I am excited for. I did mention before, which is Ironheart. Um, they did finish filming for that in November of 2022. I'm sad that's only six episodes. And it just oh, seems like yeah. so unfair. And you know it's gonna be six episodes, and when you like click on it on Disney Plus, it's gonna be like forty-five minutes, and then the last eight minutes are gonna be credits. So it's not actually like forty-five minutes. Yeah, you know what I mean, and the credits seems like a half-hour show. Yeah, it's a half-hour show, which obviously doesn't lend that much to like the storytelling in the show, but. Pickers can't be choose beggars can't be choosers. So I'm I'm just I just want the show to come out. I want the show to come out yeah. and I want it to be released and I want people to watch it and I want people to judge it for themselves. And I'm very I'm glad that Ironheart is in the MCU. I'm grateful that Dominique Thorne is playing Ironheart and then we saw her in Black Panther 2 and I'm happy that she has a show. I just want it to come out. I want people to watch it. I want it to be released and I want her to be given a fair chance. 
you know. And I do think it's going to be really good. But, of course, like, you see all these shows on Disney Plus and, like, all these shows getting canceled. And then, like, you're basically, like, redoing Daredevil with 18 episodes. What, what, was, what was the decision behind that? Why are we doing yeah. that? You know? But, of course, they're not going to let us find the curtain. We can always speculate and just make assumptions and watch things and then make our, you know, opinions from there. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, you, you said the same thing with um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of those, a lot of the early Disney Plus shows kind of got, like, smaller, like, uh, episode counts, right? You know, we had, no, no, well, WandaVision was, like, 10 episodes. But I know for sure some some of those earlier shows got, like, six episodes or six to eight episodes, and it just felt really short. You know, just to see, like, you know, uh, Daredevil having 18 episodes, I cannot imagine that being, like, a full season drop. It's got to be, like, a weekly thing. And even then, it's just, man, like, what is... It feels like what it used to be before the pandemic. Like, the CW, I know for sure, did that a lot. Um, Even Fox's Gotham did that. Uh, Mar- uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did that, the whole, like, you know, close to 22, 23 episodes per season. So it feels like that's what Daredevil, Daredevil is. It feels like Ironheart is, you know, like, like the other shows. If, like the other shows, it feels like it's going to be a miniseries, if anything. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I don't think, want that to be the case. Yeah, I think that Marvel really needs to learn their lesson when it comes to creating TV shows. You need to create something that is going to be a, con- a story. You know, we don't need a mini series that kind of like introduces us to this character, and then that's all that we get in exploring this character and who they are. We should get a television show. If you're going to do a mini series, at least do it right. You know, at least yeah. make a complete story, at least do like a solid job. Of create your miniseries, you know, have a show bible, have a showrunner, like really understand what you're creating and what you're making, and you know, allow us to get a peek into who this character is, because if it's just going to be a one-off, but you're not really gonna put like any real effort behind it, then don't even bother, you know. And that's kind of like my and how I feel about the Agatha show, because they've now changed it to like dark hole diaries and it's weird that they keep changing the name of the show um you know me personally i am excited to watch it because obviously katherine hahn is an actress who i dearly love and i think is really amazing uh joe Locke, who is on Heartstopper, i'm really excited to see him in this show because he was also mm-hmm. cast as sweeney todd on broadway which is really great so i'm excited, I'm excited for all of that and also um Aubrey Plaza, Patty Lapone, yes. Shasir Samada, and so many other people are going to be in this show. And I really, really, really just need this to be released. I need to happen. I need it to be good. And I need Marvel to stop dicking around and just give us what I want. Give us what we want, you know? Yeah. They're really beating around the bush because, like, you know, people... I know, like, I've had this conversation about the Sony Spider-Verse. Or not the Spider-Verse, but, like, everything outside of... Like, 
the Spider-Man realm of movies that aren't specifically the Spider-Verse movies. Like, there's no clear, like, with what's going on. And I feel like that's what's going on with, you know, the multiverse sagas. I, I don't know what, like, I where does Ironheart play into the multiverse, you know? Like, I want to know, as you were saying, like, I want to know who this character is and not just introducing them that for your, you know, like your toy line. Like, I want to kind of know about who these people are. I mean, even it's... It's a show that's added, uh, adapted from source material. Mm-hmm. So you can't just like pull like one page out of the source material and then that's it. Like you have to go through the whole thing and kind of like flesh out these stories and, you know, their supporting characters as well. Yeah, it's taking so, time. So, yeah. But, you know, it's also been a... I think they had to also, I know Marvel also has to work with um, the fact that, you know, um, Kevin Feige has said this with the release of, like, the yearly release of Marvel uh, content, which is, you know, like, X amount of um, movies per year and Y amount of, like, TV shows. So I don't know what they plan to do because, you know, last year we, we never got a breather from Marvel content. And so this year was kind of like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do like every other month. And even then, like, it's just been kind of like a test of, or like, a yeah, a test of like what they can and cannot do mm-hmm. moving forward. So, yeah, I agree with you. Marvel needs to focus less on releasing so many things throughout a year. And having a clear understanding of what the storyline is. Why are you releasing this show at this time? What's the purpose of it? And is this something that's going to continue or is this a one-off? Like Loki season two, I loved. And I'm glad that they gave Loki a season two. I would love for there to be a season two for all the shows that Marvel has. But it's unlikely. And I find that to be really unfortunate because we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for the Falcon. No, for Captain America. um, Yeah. Movie. And whatever. Falcon. Yeah. With uh, Anthony Mackie and Harrison Ford. um, Because there's being reshoots and they've pushed that movie back as well. And a clear guideline, a clear idea, a clear path forward. Is exactly what Marvel needs. And you don't need to have a full release schedule, but um, something that's solid, you know? Because mm-hmm. a lot of things have been pushed back, you know, due to the writer strike and due to other reasons. And a lot of things have been announced that haven't been released at all. And we're getting What If Season 2 when I'm still waiting on Armor Wars. So, yes, I was about to bring that up too. Like, yeah. That was going to be a show and it was going to be um, now it's going to be like or it was supposed to be it was supposed to be a Disney Plus series. And mm-hmm. then now it's going to be um, a, t- uh, a film. So we don't even know what that was. And then that got announced around the same time. Oh, no. Like the year after Blade was announced. 
So. And Blade is not even going to be released this year. Maybe not at all because, like, I'm. Or, okay. Uh, in 25. So. I know that they're going to release the movie. I know that. But, yeah. like, it's going to be released not the year coming up, but the year after that, which is very disappointing. It's pushing towards 26, too, because oh it's, like, gosh, right after. No, yeah. So it's, like, right at. It's, like, the week after Halloween 2025. Also, another problem with this is that, like, actors and directors that are signed, that have contracts signed to these um, projects probably have also also have contracts signed for other projects that they want to do and yeah. it's the same thing that happened with Nia DaCosta you know she had to leave close to the end of production for Captain Marvel like the Marvel's movie because yeah. she had another film that she had to direct and they couldn't start anything surrounding the project without her and she couldn't leave because she was still working on the Marvel movie so she had to leave the Marvel movie early and go to her next project and start that mm. because, you know, and this is something that Elizabeth Olsen has also brought up how because she is, she was like working with Marvel, she couldn't audition for The Lobster or a lot of other movies that she wanted to be a part of because of the time constraints in yeah. her, you know, schedule and, you know, the contract contractual obligations that she has to Marvel. And they keep delaying these films and these movies. And these actors need other jobs. They need to work. They need to eat. You know, they can't just keep waiting around for you to make a decision or for you to figure out like when something's going to happen. You know, like people got to live their lives. They can't just wait on you. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. I mean, I guess that's why you don't see a lot of like, like, not a lot of um, Tom Holland, like, featured films, you know, outside of the MCU. Because, like, you had to, like, he had to finish, like, the Avengers movies and the Spider-Man films before he could, you know, work on other stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, but, yeah. So, it's, yeah. People, it's just a huge stick with the studios right now. It is. It is a huge thing. Um, the, there's one last thing I do want to talk about, and this is probably like... Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but mm -hmm. the Netflix show hit series You, starring Penn Badgley, is going to end next year, and I cannot wait for this show to be over. <laughs> you I, don't like it? Listen, the only thing I'm grateful about for this show is the fact that Penn Badgley has a job. All right, that's it. The fact that Penn Badgley has entered into the zeitgeist, he is back in the ether, like he's relevant again. That's the only reason why I'm happy this show exists, because mm -hmm. this show is the bane of my existence. Like this is the one show I've, I hate watch. Like genuinely hate, sorry, hate watching. And I didn't watch season four because they introduced a black love interest, and I was just like, you know what, black women have been through enough. We don't need this. All right. I don't need a black girl to be punished for being interested in white boys. We go through enough as it is from our own community. All right, death? I don't think so. So I haven't seen season four because of me, I thought it was season four is the last season because it was split into two seasons. So I was like, oh, this is yeah. going to end. I don't know why they keep doing this. They keep splitting seasons like in two parts. Like the next season of Bridgerton is going to be in two parts. 
Just yeah. release the whole thing or release it weekly. Don't play around with my emotions like this. Like, why are you, why are you making us wait? We don't want to wait. Like, what's going on here? But um, <laughs> you is going to be ending um, season five. It's coming out this yeah. year. The only thing I know about season four is that there was a scene with golden showers. But that's it. <gasps> oh. That's all I know about it. And that's just something I randomly read on Twitter and I immediately scrolled past it. I was like, no, actually I don't mm-hmm. want anything else. And I think I'm going to I don't I don't know if I'm going to really, but I might rewatch the show and then review it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that I, I don't have a lot of nice things to say about the show. <laughs> I don't have a lot of nice things to say about the show, truly. And Penn mm-hmm. actually feels the same way, so I feel very vindicated for not liking the show. Okay. Because there were too many young girls watching the show and tweeting at Penn Badgley, asking him to tie them up and kidnap him and then and put them in his glass box. And I found it really weird when Drew Barrymore wanted to be put in Penn Badgley's glass box from you. And she put that on her show. I was like, girl, this is not something I would advertise. I want people to know that I like that part. Like, that's a little weird. But, you know. Um, the show's going to end coming in the coming year and yeah i'm ready for it to be over i'm ready for it to mm-hmm. be done i'm ready for us to put that glass box in the ocean i don't know something mm-hmm. and i'm just gonna say this right now if joe dies at the end of the season he deserves a slow death a slow painful death i don't want a quick death for him i want no. it to be agonizing for him i cannot stand this character all right please all the things he has done to all the innocent people who didn't deserve it. It's the least we can do. It's the least he can do. Someone like dig a ditch and throw him in there. All right. Let mm-hmm. Catherine get her revenge. That's all I'm saying. Look, I have I have not seen even a single clip of that show. So I don't movie? No, I have okay. not jumped onto that bandwagon. But I can understand why, because yeah. just the vibes that I'm seeing on socials and just yeah. from people it's uh but you know Netflix is a release now that you're bringing up like the splitting thing mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they know how to like I don't know what their strategy is you know, know canceling show canceling shows and then greenlighting one like projects that aren't really necessary and even like uh, Stranger Things like the way that most recent season was split up mm-hmm. and how it was like what not a good ratio of like uh, of, uh, of episodes in this you know month and then episodes in that month mm-hmm. just doesn't seem like a flowy kind of thing and they really need to take a page from uh prime video and kind of go by you know by week um because even well on the other hand you know there was Invincible season two, and what they're doing right now is it's an eight episode second season, but they're doing um, like a weekly release of four episodes, and then a hiatus, and then like another four episodes for the season like next year. But there's a reason why they're doing it, and there's a purpose. Like there, there's a purpose and a reason why Invincible is doing it. Mm-hmm. But when you have like shows like Stranger Things and You on Netflix being released the way it is. I think it's not going to be like a feasible, like it's not going to produce a feasible outcome. Yeah. Yeah. 
I agree with you on that. I definitely do. Um, I think that Prime Video releasing things weekly works for that platform. Netflix is used to releasing things all at once, and I think that does work for them and their model. I think that splitting things up is like their their way of releasing things weekly, but I think that's stupid. And you should just drop mm-hmm. everything at once. Like, don't waste my time. Just do, just drop it all at once and mm. just let it happen, you know. And, yeah, I mean, I'm just glad that you is going to end. And I'm glad that Penn Badger will be free from, you know, the depths or the prison <laughs> that Joe has put him in, locked him into. Um, mm-hmm. If Joe, if Penn Badgley, I know that Penn Badgley from there will probably start, like, being in, like, rom-coms or something like that. Like, he's not going to be like I'm in Peters and start playing, like, murderers or serial killers. I know that he's not going to do that to me. At least I hope. I hope and pray, you know. I've been disappointed before. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. those are all the things that we are excited to see in the year of 2024. Guys, if those are things you're excited to see, um, you know, feel free to let us know. Uh, if there are some things that you're excited to watch that we didn't mention, also let us know. Mm-hmm. Hit us up on social media. We'd love to hear all the things you're excited for. Yeah, John? Mm, okay, speaking of things that are ending, right? I feel that um, because this has not been on my list because I don't know if it's even going to release next year, but this has been a lot, like a decade of kind of waiting for certain fans of this sitcom. But the movie for Community is kind of being worked on, and I don't know oh, yeah. if it's yeah. So I don't know when they're dropping it, but if it's releasing next year then I, that's going to be on my list as well, just because they're bringing back the whole cast, excluding you-know-who. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for the community movie and whoever is directing it, writing it, who's uh, starring in it. I'm, I'm excited for that one. I actually, um, I haven't been following the news on the community movie, but if it does release this year... I will be excited for it. I do hope that they get somebody very talented to write the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in what it's going to be like. I feel like it's going to be a little bit like, I, me personally, I have a feeling it's going to be a little like Scott Pilgrim, you know, yeah. how it's like, you know, in-person filming and then like a little bit of animated action in there. I think that would be mm-hmm. really cool if they um, make the community movie something like that. If not, I feel like it's going to be an elevated version of movie 42. You know what I mean? 43. Oh, yeah. Movie 43. Yeah. I feel like oh, movie- man. That movie. That movie something else. So if they if, if it turns tragic. out, if, if you're implying it's going to be panned, like, I, I hope it's not. But I know what you mean. Where, yeah. what, what, what do you mean? I just feel like there's going to be a lot going on in the film. Because every mm-hmm. single episode of the community is so different and so unique. It's such a phenomenal show. I think it's really great and like one of a kind, truly. Um, and I feel like the movie has a lot to live up to. So yeah. I'm just genuinely excited and interested and just hopeful and open to what that movie's going to be like. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they, the way the show was in its first five seasons and then compared to like the Yahoo um, season mm-hmm. uh, uh, towards its end, I think they can do a good like kind of like like you said, like a movie 43 kind of like 
style of kind of breaking things down mm-hmm. instead of like a straightforward and that's the same thing with uh what dan Harmon did with his his younger show uh, rick and morty is like kind of like breaking things down into uh not storylines necessarily but kind of like um not even anthologizing things but kind of like one episode is this solely on its own like a chapter but it's like each chapter is its own story so i'm excited for that too dope okay community booby starting at the last minute all right um guys we're gonna go ahead and close up the episode uh we're gonna close it out with some recommendations that we have for you guys talking about some movies and tv shows we've seen recently that we recommend to for you guys to check out uh one recommendation i have just right off the bat is wonka because i actually mm-hmm. had to go see with my family on christmas and i wasn't planning on seeing it because it just wasn't my vibe not my cup of tea but mm-hmm. even though the movie wasn't like a hundred percent great because i wasn't expecting it to be it's whatever i still liked it i still mm-hmm. enjoyed it i still had fun and i cried at the end because it was it had a beautiful story behind it and timothy chalamet and his um character relationship with kala lane her character was very sweet and adorable and it warmed my heart and yeah i would just recommend you guys to go see it it's a good family friendly film i think it's really it was it was it was all right you know I'm not going to say it was bad. I'm going to say it was all right. There are some things I probably would have changed. Um, it is, they did put Keegan Michael Key in a fat suit in the film, which, you know, wasn't great, but I was able to, I, I overlooked it. I was like, whatever. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's another thing, you know with fat suits is uh the penguin might come out next year yeah. but i didn't even put that on my list because i don't even know if that's a guaranteed release for 24 i'm not even gonna watch it because why are they doing this to colin farrell please leave <laughs> that man alone he said time time again he's tired of gaining weight and losing weight for these roles at this point i need him to start saying no i know you got kids oh he's feet. a yes man huh <sighs> sir i mean he always says yes to good roles that's the thing so I can't fault mm-hmm. him for it, but sometimes I need him to say no, sir. Sometimes if you pass, I feel like if he passed up the Batman, something better would have come along. That's what I believe for him. I feel that for him. And like a TV show is like you know money, you get paid every episode. So I get why he would say yes to the series, but also like, babe, we have to do this for ourselves. Like we have to advocate for ourselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I love you too much for you to just keep doing this, Colin. Please. <laughs> Please stick to the indie movies. All right. I mean, he's definitely a weirdo when it comes to just whatever roles he picks, but it suits him. So, because yeah. sometimes he gets serious, and then there's other times where it's unserious. Mm-hmm. So, do you have any recommendations or any kind of anything you've been watching recently that you would like to share with the listeners? Um. Yes. So I've been. You know, I haven't seen Rebel Moon yet, and the way that I'm going about it, like preparing to kind of get into that movie, is I've been watching Akira Kurosawa movies. Um, he's a, you know, if you guys don't know him, he's a late Japanese filmmaker from the last century. 
and a lot of his films are pretty good but um let me just pull up what i've seen from him um what i would recommend is one wonderful sunday um it's about two uh lower class um like this lower class couple and just navigating their way through um a date on a sunday it's a post-war post-world war ii film uh the Bad Sleep Well, which is, I believe, um, kind of his uh, Kurosawa's um, telling of Hamlet. And then, of course, what I really adore most from him, aside from Se- Seven Samurai, which is everyone's like, you know, more well known uh, of his works. Um, what I would, the third thing I would recommend from him is The Lower Depths. Um, which is kind of like a stage play um, story about um, pretty much like really lower class like people living in a shack um, rented out by like this kind of abusive couple or like this toxic couple. So there's a lot going on in that movie that I recommend kind of watching. Okay. Sounds cool. Sounds cool. I'll be sure to check those out. Um, I see those movies. Uh, oh, another another thing I would recommend is I think the show I already mentioned before, Slow Horses mm-hmm. on Apple TV. It's so good. If you guys mm-hmm. want to see it, um, I've been seeing a lot of, I've been finding a lot more um, good shows to see on Apple TV. And initially when I got it, it was because it was four ninety nine for like a few months. So I just used it to watch Ted Lasso, but I've kept it now. It's like nine ninety nine, which like sometimes I'm like, mm, maybe I should cancel this. But then I remember there are actually shows I do want to watch on there. They're actually like pretty good. Like a couple yeah. are Silo and For All Mankind and Severance. Three shows that I need to watch, but I haven't watched yet. But Soul Horses is a show starring Gary Oldman. And it's about this um, branch in MI5 called um slough house which is basically a branch for agents who have been kicked out of mi5 for a various number of reasons and the first season of the show um wow i should remember even though i binge watched this like i've been binge watching this show over the past two days Mm -hmm. um the first season of the show was about this guy River Cartwright, he had kind of messed up on a training exercise. So he got put into Slow Horses, uh, Slow House. And they find out that there is a conspiracy going on within MI5. So they're trying to uncover it. It's an action-packed thriller. It is, it's so funny, but it's like British humor. And also it's like, it's a spy show. So you have to pay attention to what's going on in the players and you have to pay attention to people's names because if you don't pay attention for one second, mm. you will get mixed up. So it's such a good show. It's wonderfully done. It's based off of a book series. of um, I think it's the Slow Horses book series is what it's called. I plan on reading the books as well because I think there are only three seasons of the show. I don't know if there's going to be a fourth season, but I'm excited to figure out. Uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend that to everybody um, You know, on Apple TV. If you don't have Apple TV, just sell the high seas. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, that's interesting. 
Oh yeah, it's a really good show. Um, I recommend you check it out. I think you'll like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just, you know, Gary Oldman and the fact that you mentioned it's an espionage uh, series. Oh yeah. I'm really interested in that. Um, and the way that uh, the UK kind of releases their shows is a good thing too, because it's like six episodes per season. Mm -hmm. And then they're, you know, it's not like a huge binge, right? So yeah, I'm get definitely really going to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been wanting to get back into like UK shows because um, Doctor Who came back and, you know, David yeah. Tennant it was a doctor for like three episodes for some reason. I don't know. Um, but watching Doctor Who made me want to get back into UK TV. And also watching David Tennant made me want to get back into Broadchurch. But then I was like, I can't get back into Broadchurch. That will destroy my mental health. Watching it the first time was bad enough. <laughs> um, What's his name? Um, who is the new, um, doctor this time? Yeah. Yeah. From Barbie and sex education, and right? Sex education. Yeah. See, that's, that's one that I was getting into and I just couldn't like review it, uh, on time. So I just didn't see it. Um, but the final season is, has already been out. I haven't seen it, but just watching the first three seasons prior to kind of the release of the final one, like. It's a good show. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it has a really wonderful cast. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people might not agree with the character decisions and, like, the uh, the different paths that they're taking. But um, I'm excited to kind of, like, see what the final season has in store. So, yeah. yeah. I do love sex education. And I was talking about this on another episode that I recorded with a friend of mine, Derek. And I mentioned how Chutigatua, he is the first person to play the doctor in the new Who season, mm -hmm. where he is a well-known, people know him before he played the doctor. Mm -hmm. You know, like Chris, Christopher Eccleston, he played Doctor Nine, and I'm not sure if he was a really well-known British actor, but there's Christopher Eccleston and there's David Tennant, who was a smaller actor, and then he kind of blew up after Doctor Who. And there was Matt Smith, who also blew up after Doctor Who. And then Peter Capaldi, um, seasoned actor, but not really that well known. And of course, like, entered into a new hemisphere of fame after he became Doctor Who. And Jodie Foster, I know her from Broadchurch, but she's not that well known of an actor. Jodie Whittaker, not Jodie Foster. Jodie Whittaker, after she became the Doctor, of course, that launched her into a whole hemisphere of fame. And Nichuti Gatwa, yeah. he was already well known for sex education, and then he was in Barbie. So now he, him playing the Doctor has kind of like, you know, elevated him as well. But people knew about him before he was in the Doctor. And because that's because yeah. sex education is an international hit. Unlike mm -hmm. a very popular streaming service. So of course people already know who he was. So he's kind of like entering this, he is like the doctor in a different way that all the other previous doctors were. So I feel like that's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how he moves forward playing the doctor. Because they haven't watched the Christmas special yet, but I am excited to see it and see how it looks. Um, and just to see what direction Russell T. Davis is taking the doctor coming spring 2024 i didn't mention the doctor as things i'm excited for because i'm going to be honest i'm not that excited for russell t davis coming back to the doctor i would rather <laughs> it be somebody new returning to the doctor at least a woman maybe 
we'll just have to wait and see. I I mean, Chuti has a lot of faith in Russell, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'll be open to whatever he brings. Yeah. I mean, as we were saying earlier, um, it's all about perspective or like the voice kind of leading the story. Mm-hmm. And so kind of like, you know, with Gatwa kind of being, he's not the first, is he the first black doctor? And the black gay doctor, or there have been gay doctors before, right? Okay. Oh, okay. So he's the first black and gay. Well, we don't doctor. know if he's going to be gay in the series. Okay. The doctor's well, sexuality okay. has never really been like confirmed or really a topic of discussion. Truly, it's oh. kind of just like, you know, he's kind of who cares really? Mm-hmm. There are no labels, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, as you were saying, mm-hmm. like just a different writer this time would be a preferable um, route to go. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. Is there anything yes. else that you would like to recommend to the listeners? Um, I don't know if you're a fan. I don't know if you guys are fans of Adventure Time, but I really loved um, the spinoff series that mm-hmm. they've been uh, that um, HBO Max has been putting out um, Fionia and Cake, um, which is kind of, I feel that's, it would be an Emmy-worthy series if it got enough attention. Mm. I haven't finished the season, but I'm glad it's not a limited series and it got um, greenlit for a second one. Mm-hmm. So, cool. yeah. I love Adventure Time, but I was not someone who watched this series in full. I just kind of watched from like episode to episode, whatever had come on. And I tried like the to reruns, watch, right? Yeah. I would mm-hmm. try to watch I tried to watch it in full, but I never really got through it. And I've been seeing a lot of spin-offs coming out, and it makes me like feel like I missed the train on that. Also with like no. Steven Universe. I never finished Steven Universe. You know, like everyone talks about how Rose is a terrible character, and I was like, girl, I don't even know what she I don't remember what she looks like, to be honest. <laughs> so I really don't know what y'all are talking yeah. about. But I mean the the thing with Adventure Time is like there's only there's the Distant Lands um, spinoff, which is only like four episodes. Mm-hmm. It's like four. It's like each each episode is like an hour long. And to be honest, like that was like the first year of HBO Max mm-hmm. or like the, the beginning of HBO Max and what they were kind of testing out with whatever they were like releasing um, in the earlier parts of the pandemic. But to kind of see um, Fiona and Cake um, be like the next, like the second spinoff. It's it feels more fluid just because it's focused on like Fiona and Cake, and it's like a kind of like a smoother story, and it feels like grounded, you know. Yeah, there's like a different. It's like a better vibe, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, and it kind of matches with um, the original series. So okay. Dope. I'll be sure to keep that in mind. And guys, I want to thank you so much for joining us again uh, for this week's episode of I've Been Meaning to Watch That. Don't forget to check out John at all of his links down below. John is um, part of the Cinema Spot, as many other of our guest hosts have been. He's the managing editor on there, and I will be putting links to some of his stuff in the description. Go ahead, read some of his articles, and follow him on all social media sites. And guys, don't forget to follow us on social media. 
you know, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And we will see you guys next week with another episode of I've Been Meaning to Watch That. Don't forget to tell your friends and family about your new favorite podcast. Okay? Bye. Bye.